0: the children to bed, it's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls.
1: I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot.
2: Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something-yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit in my pants. I swear to God, I literally did.
1: <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I-, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is.
2: If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God.
1: Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't
2: play that well, not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't. I
1: don't really have any recollection of that at all. But I guess perhaps I blacked it all out.
2: <laughs> so Dan. Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong?
3: I love the efficiency of bourbon. (laughs)
4: Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and
5: Aldo.
2: I love this show. I love Dannabar, I love Johnny Sonfu. I love it. How are you, Dannabart?
1: I am well. I, I like the new intro. I dig it. I love the Dan's love life and spiking my drink at the same time. <laughs> 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 your production's always awesome, man. Hey, but going to your intro, Why you cannot even, hold
2: on, I'm I'm hearing an echo. Do you hear an echo?
1: uh i hear an echo on your side but not over here
2: that's me that is me fucking shit <laughs> i blame john it was me Chat, <laughs> turn off your audio it's fucking me <laughs> i love johnny's on duty. so can i make, can I make
1: a? I i was gonna make a point uh, unless <laughs> you're still too distracted no 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 all right your intro is talking about i'm gonna be sick if they don't run the ball well you don't have to worry about that anymore Mm-hmm. The most rushing yards for the Bears since a game in 1984 versus the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know we're going to get into it, the mock and, and the sock and all that. Like, oh, why did they 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 won, but I'm sick because they did the, the game was so what. A, but we're two and one. We are two and one. one. Let me just quantify that before we get into the negative.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know there, and there is a feeling of uh, panic. I think that's the theme for today's show, panic or no, no panic. And you'll see, uh, when I want to play a little game of panic or no panic with you. Uh, maybe get Tucci involved here. Uh, but also, it's I, I pulled some media clips, and every time the topic of uh, Justin Fields came up, there was a panic in the sound in the in the voices of your Dan Weederers.
6: Of course.
2: <laughs> By the way, uh, not this past uh, uh, Gabriel talks football, but last week's at about the thirty minute mark, um, I say something about Dan Weederer and. Greg Gabriel, and I'm paraphrasing, fuck Dan Wieterer. He's such a
6: negative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a victory from my viewpoint. I'm vindicated.
2: Exactly. So I started laughing. And I go, I'm laughing because Dan, who I do a show with on Tuesday nights, is always saying the same thing about Dan Weederer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dan
1: Weederer could get a blowjob. <laughs> moments, moments later, would be thinking, I don't know. It was just she used a little bit too much teeth. Uh, <laughs> didn't go to my balls well enough. I mean, this guy's always negative. Oh. Like, he's always upset about something. He's, man, fuck that guy.
2: Well, you, when we get to the media clips, his is going to be the very first one. So you'll be vomiting early and <laughs> but uh, I I do sense that there is a panic among a lot of bears fans uh, about primarily Justin Fields and the media of course is worried about Justin Fields. And so hopefully, you know, Gabriel did a really nice job of trying to temper everybody's anxieties. Uh, but I think we can do the same thing here because I don't I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I'm not, terribly worried about Justin Fields. Yeah, there's some concerning things, but I'm not terribly worried. Are you?
1: Um, I think the way I looked at it was I mean, he's had 13 starts. I mean, he's had 13. That's not an excuse. Mm -hmm. That's reality. Exactly. So in theory, he hasn't even made it through his rookie season. Plus he's had a new offense. He had a shitty coach before, and he's working through his problems now. So I want to paraphrase Aaron Rodgers, if I can, and say, relax. Remember that from a couple okay. years ago, yeah, but I have to acknowledge that some criticism is warranted and valid. Like I told, uh, uh Sonny, uh, I was like, man, it, it, his play is starting to give Mike March some credibility on this issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the first week we say, oh, he had a bad first half because the defense was so uh, un, uh, unassailable. You couldn't get any yards on them. And then, you know, but the, the rain and uh, th- that was sort of an outlier. But he's had two really horrible games back to back now. Yeah. And uh, we won on Sunday, which again is a, is a positive thing. If you if your quarterback's playing that badly, you can still win. But last week the sun was out. There was no rain. There was no snow. No inclement weather. You're at home against a team that, let's face it, is probably in the same part of the league that we are in terms of it's an even matchup. You know, mm-hmm. they're not Green Bay. They're not San Francisco. So uh, it just felt like that was a game he should have played better. I kind of felt like it was going to be close, but I was I was upset that day. Like I was listening in the car live when we were coming back from Cleveland. I was like, I kept looking at Jenny and saying, "Like man, he's playing like shit today." I wasn't even seeing it yet. Mm-hmm. So it is disconcerting, but if you zoom out, I think you're like, "Oh come on, man, he's going to be making his 14th start Sunday. Let's 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 chill."
6: Mm-hmm. Oh, Justin.
2: Yeah, the the thing that pisses me off the most is that, uh, and I just saw Saint Omni in the chat room talk about uh, mention Mike March's name, but that's that's what really bugs me is that you've get those guys who have been saying Justin Fields is going to be a bust or is a bust, and Mike March saying the bullshit that he said, and so right now they got bragging rights over us. They they've got this, you know, uh, feeling of I told you I was right, but. <laughs> To me it's just like you said it's it's 13 starts man it's learning a new offense it's having all these other issues around you and I'm going to show some tape uh in a little while after we do the media thing of some of the challenges that Justin has gone through but again also you're right he is he is responsible for some of his um mistakes uh, and uh, he just hasn't it's learned
1: wide way. open receivers Uh on that first interception which again I didn't see until Monday because I listened on the way home Sunday mm-hmm. Uh, first off I think that interception hit the ground but that's beside the point Uh, he had St. Brown wide open I mean wide 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 open right there like mm-hmm. don't throw the ball into try I mean I still believe the guy, I mean, the, we, we've seen him throw really, really impressive balls with Ohio State, right? Deep balls, like just yeah. incredible, when he was surrounded by talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't forget how to throw the ball. I mean, he it's not like he suddenly isn't capable, so I just don't, I can't buy into the fact that he's a bust and it's over. I just can't. I think as the Bears get better, he'll get better.
2: Absolutely. And I think that when you when you realize just how much has been thrown at this guy in such a short amount of time, who said who just said? I think it was Ryan. Uh, somebody in the chat room just said that this guy was just handed Getsy's playbook two, three months ago. Three months ago. So you know it, it. There's just a lot thrown at this guy, and so we have to be patient. There's no way there. You, there it is Ryan two, three, three. Thank you, Tooch. There's just no way anybody should make declarative statements about Justin Fields and his future in the NFL and whether he's a boss or or whether he's a superstar. Uh, It's just way too early for this to happen, and there's so many other circumstances involved in this. So let's get on to the the media highlights here because that is the main focus of the – how many clips do I got? I got six clips. All of them are about Justin Fields. We start off with your buddy uh we talking with David Hall. The second clip, it's uh, 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 Brad Biggs uh, talking about Justin Fields. Then Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes gang up on Fields. Trent Dilfer, the former Ravens quarterback, comes on one of the one of the local radio shows and says, "Wait a minute, pump the brakes." So I included. I'm glad that. you
1: said that because Trent was obviously someone first round pick with Tampa and got labeled a bust. Mm -hmm. so he's got to have some empathy for justin and what do we know about trent he won a super bowl thank you very much so I mean, you don't have to be the best quarterback ever to win the super bowl and that's what i'll take
2: absolutely uh and then we got cuts from espn 1000 uh waddle followed by yurko with uh carmen defalco so let's play this and we'll talk about it in the other end and uh uh, there's a little uh, panic or no panic, sound bites in between e- each of these uh, as a theme for tonight.
7: And David, the rewatch uh, of this football game from the Bears passing offense side of things was an eyesore. It was so disheartening to see the number of difficulties they had. The defining moment for me is the first interception. It's a play that is schemed up to, Get a big game completion to a wide open tight end down the seam on your first read. And Justin, by his own admission, just missed the throw. It's a very inaccurate throw that safety Jalen Petrie, uh, gets under and, and, and intercepts. And it's it's just troubling because it's a moment where you have your opportunity as a quarterback to to move the chains, to get the offense in a rhythm, and you've got a guy wide open, one of your favorite targets. We talked about highlighting your skill. Okay, here he is, Cole Komet, down the middle open, and you misfire that badly. That set the tone for a, a lot of the day that followed, and, and they just never really got on track after that. And it's just, again, first read, wide open receiver. You cannot miss the guy by three yards.
8: All right. My defining moment was provided for us. And I think that basically Luke Getze helped us identify it. And that was in the, I guess it would be the second series of the second quarter. And the bears have the ball at the 10 yard line. There's still 1147 left in the second quarter, relatively early in the game, but relatively defining because Luke Getze looked at what was happening and told us basically, we don't trust our quarterback this deep in our own territory. And if he wasn't saying that with his words, he certainly did so with his actions. Three straight running plays handoff to Khalil Herbert, handoff to Khalil Herbert, shotgun snapped to Justin Fields, draw play to Tristan Ebner, punt. So I think that to me, That defined how the day would go and told us what direction to look, and that would be, you know, who's getting the handoff, not watching Justin Fields develop as a passer. They took the ball out of his hands, and and I think kind of uh, the wind out of his sails, if you will, because this is something that defined how little faith they have in him at this stage of his career. Maybe that's overstating it and too early in the game to identify it, but you saw the same type of – behavior or reaction to late in the first half when they've misused their timeouts and they really didn't trust Justin Fields in that situation so the lack of trust to me was as defining as anything because it's one thing for us to draw conclusions and to speculate about how much they believe in a quarterback and how much this or how much that it's another thing to look at how they call the game and how that reflects their own faith in a player and I think in this case it was the defining moment for me on Sunday.
7: Yeah, you sat up in the jury box, also known as the press box at Soldier Field, and and the verdict you came to after the game is that they don't trust their passing offense. I'm with you. I think it's a unanimous verdict in that regard. The question is, why should they trust their passing offense, right? And that would be the retort from Luke Getzey, Matt Eberflus, and the coaching staff is that, man, we don't know what we can rely on in the passing offense. So yeah, we don't trust it and you don't trust it either because you've watched the same things we've watched you know for the last three weeks that that we can't hit even the easy ones and that's that's a problem no you
8: go back and you watch the tape again like a lot of us do the day after and i wondered how you would describe your feelings or where you are with justin fields and his development after seeing it a second time because i was concerned sunday coming out of that game I think I was more alarmed after watching it a second time just at how many open receivers he missed and how unable he was to pull the trigger.
4: Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting conversation when you consider what Matt Eberf- Eberflus said yesterday, guys, right? That, that was my, th- I'm like, hmm, because what were his uh, main points when he talked about the quarterback yesterday? Number one, he talked about the footwork being better, and you could certainly see that, and I'm not going to pretend to be a quarterback whisperer here, guys, but it looked like the footwork was definitely off on that first interception. And I know we talked about this back in late August, early September. They talked about the footwork and and how they went down to ground zero to kind of rebuild it. And all that stuff sounds great, and it can look super in April, May, June, July, August. When you're in practice it's muscle memory right and it takes thousands of reps to change that and the big question is okay when there's defenders coming at him can he maintain this new footwork right this this fundamental change in in how he operates in the pocket and it's been a little clunky right but the bigger thing the bigger takeaway i had yesterday to get away from the footwork thing is is Eberflus talked about, well, he can't put the ball in harm's way. And that was referencing, I think the second interception, which was in a, um, a lot of traffic and there were other open guys on that. And I'm like, you're telling a guy. And I understand why he's telling him you can't put the ball in harm's way, but he's a guy who is not pulling the trigger on open wide receivers. We talked about it yesterday morning, the 29 yard run in the first quarter. It was the fifth or sixth snap of the game. He's got Equinemius St. Brown wide open on a corner route. Ball's got to come out. So I'm with you. I think uh, they've got a real problem with him not seeing these receivers as they come open and getting rid of the ball and telling a guy he can't put it in harm's way that's not getting rid of the ball, that there's a reason why uh, the Bears have completed uh, only 23 passes on the season.
9: I understand that quarterbacking development is decidedly non linear. Use whatever euphemisms you want. But Justin Fields is getting worse. And I, I see quarterbacks who aren't as talented, who don't have the physical skills, who don't have the measurables, who just make the throw. I watch uh, Cooper Rush isn't good. Davis Mills isn't good. Just make the throw, though. There's a throw that you've practiced. You see it on film. You, you you get it on the board. You you rep it, and you rip it. And you it, and it's repped and repped and repped, and there's a handful of plays you're comfortable with. And just see what's going on and pull the damn trigger. I'm happy the Bears won the game. I'm happy they rolled up 300 yards of, of, of rushing offense. You want to play like, like old uh, Oklahoma wishbone stuff for the 1970s, go ahead. If you want to win games that way, whatever that week, if you could if you want to get yourself a a shocking 10 victories doing that and take your chances in the playoffs, I am not here to argue with you. I don't think you can do it. I don't think it's sustainable. I think you, I think that's a bad roster that that you beat in the Texans, but it it can't, it's got to be better than this. He can't get worse. Well, he
10: has been Sunday's game felt like, oh no, like this is real regression that we're seeing. And yesterday, Layla and I were trying to figure out if what we're seeing from Justin Fields, is it something that's mechanically wrong or are the things that are wrong with him mechanically because of the way that he's processing the information? I feel like he might be too smart of a guy. You know what I mean? That he is taking all of this in and he is taking all of it. And it's, it's a very, it, what's being asked of him, they're asking a lot. I'm not sure that, that he's able to slow down enough or to let go of enough stuff to get to the next thing that he has to do in his development. And even after the game, where it's him and Darnell Mooney, where Mooney's got the jugs machine out there at Soldier Field.
9: Stop. Don't catch the ball after the game. Catch the ball during the game.
10: Well, I mean, you got one at home, so I don't know why he felt the need to do that. And then Justin's out here on the treadmill, and and I'm like, I get it. They think that they're, they're going to grind their way. Like, we'll just, I'm going to keep working harder and harder and harder. The opposite might be true here. That you might just need a break. You might need to stop grinding. You know? <laughs> when you know that you're going to throw it and you have a clean pocket, put your foot in the ground and drive the ball. And that's the part that scares me the most, Dan, is I'm not seeing him do that. He's not throwing from a solid base. Therefore, you're seeing balls flutter. You're seeing balls sail. And I want that fixed immediately. But I also want to understand, is there a a cause and effect here? Is it because he doesn't trust what he's seeing that the feet are staying kind of on the move? And... Is he processing it fast enough to go, oh, I know where I'm going with the ball. Let me rip it, and then he can set his feet and throw. There were two good throws
9: like that. The one to commit was a really good throw. But other, like the other throws where the pocket was clean, he's throwing ducks. Stuff has to be on time. And, and when they run, what is it, four verticals, and three of them are open, and instead he ends up scrambling for 30 yards... Yeah, it's great, but I'd much rather the ball come out and you get it in the hands of a a playmaker down the field. It's so much easier that way. Yeah, but
10: we also have questions about whether or not the Bears actually have playmakers on the field, too. There's a lot here, Dan. And the crazy part, the crazy part is we're talking about a team that won. Trent Dilfer with us. We are honestly a little panicked around these parts about, about
4: Justin Fields. Panic. Is there any way to polish that turd? Yeah,
5: actually. And I'm not just doing this to be pro Justin Fields or a contrarian. And I, I kind of read some stuff this morning, how negative everything is in Chicago right now, first, you got to start with, you never apologize for a win. Okay. So just start there. It's hard to win in the NFL. Uh, they put together four really nice offensive drives to score points, two touchdowns and two field goals. Um, they ran the ball incredibly well, uh, which is a, a huge sign for any team. I mean, I, I guarantee you, Tom Brady wishes the Bucks were running it better. So so that's a huge sign. Um, the two interceptions are horrible. Now, the first one is not a bad decision. The first one, he just loses control of the ball. He kind of comes out funny, gets way too out in front of the tight end, makes the right read, his eyes start in the right place, his feet are right. He just loses control of the ball. So th- th- that happens to people. You hope it doesn't happen a lot. And let me finish on the first one. The first one would be a problem if the rest, a huge problem if the rest of the game, he struggled with the same type of accuracy problems, but he didn't. That was a one. He really had two that I can remember bad misses, the interception and then the swing route to the right where he throws it too far out in front of the wide receiver. I might be forgetting one other, but he was not habitually inaccurate. Uh, The second interception is just awful. I mean, it is a, it's a lack of awareness of the road, the safety rotation. I think he gets tricked. Uh, then he kind of panics and tries to throw it to the inside bender when he has the outside rail and the guy in the flat wide open. The guy in the flat may or may not get the first down. Um, so that one's awful, but then you look at it with an objective eye and he comes back off the second interception and rips that, uh, rips that i don't know what you'd call it stop route in the middle of the field to mooney and verse really tight coverage Uh, they have a couple nice bootlegs he does some nice things um so no i do not think this is the sky is falling i think these are some correctable mistakes that he will continue to make throughout the rest of the season hopefully they just become a little bit less often here's one thing i I went through the game once and then i went back through it again on the sacks because the sacks usually determine like is a guy not handling the pocket. Well, and and one of my biggest things I look for is how a guy handles the pocket. And if, if, if the narrative there is that he's seeing the rush, I disagree with that. I think he's feeling the rush and not climbing necessarily into the right spots, but feeling it, overseeing it is a good thing. He only took one bad sack and that was early in the game. He's looking left on a quick pass. I can't remember what quarter it was first or second quarter, and then he steps to the left and falls into a sack when he could have stepped up inside. And that's one of the hardest things for quarterbacks to learn is to step away from where their eyes are looking. So you guys can do it in the studio right now. If you're looking left naturally and you, you know, the defensive lines being the offensive line, you're going to want to step to where your eyes are looking. Really what you want to do is you want to step away from where your eyes are looking because that's where the soft spot in the pocket is going to be a lot of times. A couple of sacks, they just got on him so quick. He's actually trying to get through his progressions or he's trying to step up and they're just on top of him. Uh, The naked bootleg sack, they guess right with five sacks in the fourth quarter. So I thought the sacks, if you're grading out the sacks, my guess is he only gets credit for one of them and the other ones are on the offense.
0: Trying to win football games out of loyalty to the 52 other guys besides Justin Do you try and do anything you can to win games, or is it only about I'm letting that kid drop back thirty times, maybe not fifty times, thirty times, and we're going to find out if he can play or not? Well, the the goal is to do both, right? I mean, in a perfect world, you rebuild and you try to win at the same time. Well, that ain't working right now. Well, I, I and I get it. Like, look, if I'm a player on this team. I'm thrilled we won that football game, and my perspective is, is guess what, the offense will get better with time. Like, Justin will be better as we go forward. What's you important? played on a team like that. Of course, but, but you know, as a player, the W is most important. I understand why Matt Eberflus and, 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 and you know, Getze or, or Luke Getze are doing what they're doing. I get it. They're football coaches. At the end of the day, they're judged by wins and losses. I just think that there are times. It, so I'm sitting in a different chair now. I'm not a player. I'm a 54-year-old, you know, armchair quarterback. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I want to see is both. Like, I like the Ws, but at the end of the day, as I said when the season began, and to be consistent, what was most important to me wasn't wins and losses. It's about developing this young quarterback and this young team. Because at the end of the day, even if you win more than I think you can win, you're not going anywhere. It's more important from my perspective to know who the quarterback is at the end of the twenty twenty two season than it is to win nine games versus seven games. Because I don't think that this team is competing for anything. I'm not asking them to throw it forty five times. Don't care about that. You can do both, especially when you're you know, you're better at running it than the Kyler it. Murray threw it almost sixty times the other day. He did well, I know that Josh Allen did, but those guys are in a different situation. Um I think that you can have a happy medium and you can accomplish both or try to accomplish both. And I'll give you the example at the end of the first half, you know, they had a full complement of timeouts. They had three timeouts. Why not let the kid play at that point? Again, I'm not so disturbed by the run pass ratio at this point. But in that moment, that's a learning experience. Not only is it a learning experience, what are you afraid of? At the very, at the worst, what are you doing? Giving the ball back to the Houston Texans and Davis Mills. That's the worst-case scenario. You're not giving the ball back to Matt Stafford and the Rams. You're not giving the ball back to the the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You're giving the ball back to the Houston Texans and Davis Mills if it all goes wrong. In the meantime, why not let the kid go out there, play with a little tempo, and see if you can get something going into half. You're not getting the ball to start the second half. Correct. So, like, that's an example to me where you could actually try to accomplish both without compromising the chances of you winning now again and i heard you say that alex and lance two you know alex fabulous Brown players and lance briggs and both said G- get in the locker room you owe it to the rest of that team because when he gets sacked and fumbles or gets picked off and they score the other guys are what are we doing coach? Well, I, and i get that from a wani, player wani Dave wants that who sits with us yeah would have used the timeouts. Yeah. I said I would have challenged the kid. Yeah, I would have too, and that's the point. But I get what Lance and Alex are saying. It's not what I would have chosen, but I don't think it's a crazy notion. They're in win mode, and I get it. I think you can at times do both, and it, it, it's it's I think it's on display as well when you ask the kid to throw it eleven times. Going back to the Green Bay game, I think he was what seven of eleven in the mm-hmm. stat line or something. And I know he for seventy yards. Look, I get it. At the end of the day, they only ran like 45 plays, and they called like 20 or 18 or 20 passes, and some of them end up in sacks, and some of them some of them end up in, in quarterback runs. I just think you can be a little more balanced. You can try to, to help the kid along and see where he's at and also try to accomplish your goal, which is winning the game as well. So I think that there are moments you have to pick and choose them, and as I gave you the example at the end of the first half against the Houston Texans was, a, 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 I think, a glaring example of where they can have their guys need it. Don't trust him. Okay, but like, listen, this is professional football. I don't. I, I get it. They don't trust him totally. They don't trust the the protection at times. They don't trust that guys are going to be open consistently. But you put the film on, and there is time. There are guys open at times. Maybe not every play. But there are opportunities, and I get it. The trust will be earned over the course of time, but, like, you just can't. That can't be your refrain. We don't trust you. We don't trust you. We don't trust you. At the end of the day, if you don't trust him a little bit, you're not going to learn anything by the end of the season.
11: I checked with our buddy Jacob Nitzberg at ESPN Stats and Info. Yurko. You want to take a guess the last time a team won multiple oh games boy. in their first three in which they completed fewer than ten Passes. Uh, 1982. 1990. Oh boy! Uh, it was the Los Angeles Raiders. So you're talking about uh, two iterations ago for the Steve, Raiders. Steve Burline led? No. You know who it was? It was uh, Jay Schrader, I think, Jericho. It was Jay it was. Schrader. Yes, I'm, I'm almost positive it From was former Jay Former Washington quarterback. So the Bears are the first team since the 1990 LA Raiders to win two of their first three games with fewer than 10 completions in each win. Prior to that, Prior to 1990, it hadn't been done since the 1978 Chicago Bears. Ugh. So in the last 40, what is that, 44 years, it's happened three times, twice by the Bears, where a team somehow won multiple games in their first three weeks, completing fewer than 10 passes, fewer than 10 in each of those wins. Now, the 90 Raiders did go 12-4. and four and lost in the AFC title game to the Bills based on the strength of Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson and a, a great defense. It certainly wasn't their passing offense. That's how rare it is. And this game's a lot different in 2022 than it was in 1990. I don't think this is sustainable. Uh, it, it's certainly not, uh, you know, can you can you get to nine wins this year doing it? Perhaps. I don't know where it gets the Bears to be a, a real serious contender, though, anytime soon. And that's well, ultimately the goal. The if not, next right. year, not this year, next year. The if- only positive thing it, it does for you, Carm, is it teaches
12: you how to win games late. And, and that's what the, uh, the Bears have been able to do. They've been able to, in the second half, find a way to win a game. The Green Bay game, they weren't in. No. And they were still charging late with that eight-minute drive they had that ended on the goal line on fourth down. They were still driving. You know, it was going to be a one-touchdown game. That game wasn't as close as the score indicated, and there was no evidence whatsoever that the Packers weren't going to get the ball back and right. just march straight down the field anyway. Right. So, But if you
11: are learning how to win games. Justin Fields, this is per uh, NFL Next Gen, okay? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields yeah. is the only quarterback in the NFL with zero tight window throws this year. Not completions. He hasn't attempted what they deem a tight Tight window window thrown. If you're wondering, now, I know he hasn't thrown the ball a lot. If you're wondering, well, what's normal? No quarterback in the NFL has attempted fewer than seven. He has attempted zero in three games. Is that a problem? Yeah, sure it is. That is a problem. Why is
12: it a problem? Because in this league, you've got to throw a wide receiver open. You've heard the term. They've Mm -hmm. talked about the term. That's the one thing he's got to figure out. You've got a guy, he's coming out of a break, the defensive back's coming, you've got to be able to put the ball away from the defensive back where your guy can catch it only. Like sometimes when they run that quick slam, you'll see the quarterback automatically throw it low so you can go down and get it, and it's away from the defensive back. The only guy that can catch it is your receiver. Third and five. Your guy catches it for seven yards. He falls. Drive continues. First down. Like the C. D. Yeah. Lamb
11: conversion. That tight was ends. That's the tight end. Jason
12: Witten made a living yeah. on making uh, uh, you know t- uh, tight catches. Catches where he's got a guy draped all over him. He throws the ball to the right side. Chris Carter mm. made a living in traffic, being able sure. to come down with the ball all the time on the sideline with a guy draped all over him. Catch the ball. Double tap. Two feet in. He catches the ball. There's guys out there that live with guys draped all over him and still find ways to make catches. But the quarterback Warren Moon at that time with Chris Carter, willing to make that
11: throw. When you see a guy that's not willing to make them, is it speaking to some <laughs> hesitancy that he has? Well, it's in a, his lack own game right now? a lack of confidence, maybe a knowledge. lack of experience with that,
12: making that throw.
11: That's what I'm wondering. Right? Yeah. yeah. So
12: you got to have a quarterback coach and an offense coordinator sitting saying that, that guy is open. What are you doing? If you're asking me where does the development take place, Jerko, how does does Fields develop to become that quarterback? When you start seeing him willing to make those throws and make those completions, now you're seeing what they call development. That's what they call development. I hope we see it. To learn, to understand, and
11: have a willingness to make the throw that doesn't look like it's there, but it is there. And I think that's why they need to let him throw it a little bit more. I I really do. Don't fucking...
2: Dan uh, Aguire, are you panicking now that you've heard this?
1: No, I've got a lot of notes too. If you'd like to start in on this and dig have a
2: right. dig right into it, brother.
1: All right. First off, David Haw said a good point and a bad point. I thought uh, he was talking about two different things, but they both were the same point. Like it, it. it At some juncture in the second quarter, before that final possession at the half, he was talking about the Bears were pinned deep, and they only and they had three straight running plays, and then punted. And he was saying, but he wasn't saying it definitively that this is the Bears not trusting Justin Fields. But in that situation, if you're pinned back that deeply and you're running the ball very successfully, as justified by the statistics of this season, I don't necessarily think that the Bears are trying to just like all three in a punt there. It just happened to work out that way because they're running the ball so successfully in other stages of the game. I think he was just trying, he being uh, Getzy, trying to get the Bears in more fortuitous field position there before he took a chance of getting sacked or fumbling or a bad snap and a shotgun or whatever. And at the end of the half, I kind of agree that one did sort of make me wonder because you have the timeouts. Does that mean that they don't believe in fields or as much as they should? But I think both of those are kind of stretches because again, it's week three, but I, I I agreed with him that it is a sign of maybe something you need to worry about within the context of that one game. Uh, that they're being so conservative at the end of the first half. But the other possession, I thought they, you know, they thought that they'd get a first down running the ball.
2: What do you think? I I think that they are coaching to win the game. All right, (laughs) Herm. Hello. (laughs) He's in big trouble, isn't he? I I think he's uh, been fired as coach, and some of the assistant coaches were all plotting against him and and making him – Herm Edwards over at Arizona State University. I think I got that right. Um, Yeah, uh, but uh, that's the issue here. Yeah, you know, all of us would love to see with, you know, less than two minutes ago, three timeouts for Justin to go out there and sling that baby, get us into field goal position at least and uh, add three points because we weren't, as David Hall pointed out, we weren't getting the ball to start the third quarter, try to get some points at the end of the first half. Was very conservative, but I think that they were thinking they, the coaching staff, is let's play it safe. This is what we do here in Chicago. The general manager pays attention to his board when he's drafting. He doesn't overspend on free agents, and we don't take unnecessary chances with the ball and don't call so many exotic defenses uh, to you know that they're very conservative team. And so from that standpoint, hey, it's it's working. They're two and one. You know, right. now, how long is that going to work? That conservative approach, we'll see.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to skip around. I'll come back to. I was going to do them chronologically, but when you mentioned the winning, and now later in the piece, he he brought up what I was going to say because my head was about to bust. But when it was on Carmen and Yurko, he was saying that the Bears are the first team since the 1990 Los Angeles Raiders. He may have even called them the Oakland Raiders. But the first time since the Raiders to have two wins with 10 or less passes, I think was the stat, since 1990 with having two wins in your first three games. Again, the Raiders went to the AFC Championship that year and arguably would have gone to the Super Bowl had Bo Jackson not gotten injured in the Cincinnati game. And for them to say the Raiders didn't have a passing game, I don't remember what the first three games of the 90 Raiders season were. Because again, I'm not a Raiders fan, but I do recall they had Tim Brown, Willie Galt. You know, we had him. Remember how fast Willie? We had right. Willie Galt, Tim Brown, and Mervyn Fernandez. They could throw the ball and Sam Grady, I think, may have still been around too. You had speed, speed, speed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Jay Schrader, Schrader had a bum arm or something then. And they they see they thought Steve Berline was a the quarterback then. Like, uh, god damn, man, how do you not know this shit? Uh, but uh, so, but again, the the Raiders weren't throwing the ball early in the season, and they still made it to the AFC Championship game. So, that leads me to Tom Waddle, the bear, and I love Tom Waddle <laughs> as as a player uh, for the Bears. How could you not like Tom Waddle? I love him on on the air, mm-hmm. but for him to definitively say the Bears aren't going anywhere, I mean, th- I don't agree with that. And how how would have Tommy have felt in 1991 mm-hmm. if somebody had said that to him? Oh, you're not going anywhere. Why why do you care? You're off the practice squad this year, but you know, your catches don't matter. You're not going anywhere. I mean, come on, man. How can you say they're not going anywhere? They're two and one again. That that could easily be two and two Sunday and then two and three, which God forbid I don't want that to happen. But I'm not saying they're going to the NFC Championship right now, but don't be dismissive of the team and just say wins don't matter. I don't, I can't buy into that. Wins matter, man. I'm Um,
2: Totally with you, hundred percent. It was insulting for Waddle to say that, and I don't understand why he would say that. You know, some of these guys, David Hall, Tom Waddle, said sometimes they say really insulting things, but it's even more surprising when it comes from a former player and he's basically dissing the uh, the 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 chances, as remote as they may be, but the chances of this team potentially making the playoffs that is still very very doable to but enroll, they,
1: okay. I was gonna say are they that remote though there's seven playoff teams now are mm-hmm. they is that really that remote I, I don't know I, I don't I, think I, it is
2: I only say it's remote because of you know the injuries uh some some issues on player personnel we can talk about this more later but I think that they are struggling right now to beat the Packers, and that's the the NFC division champion. And so maybe they can squeeze in with a wild card, but uh, there's some other good teams in, in the NFC, so we'll see.
1: And right now they've got a win head-to-head versus San Francisco, so let's remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, oh, man, uh, Dan Bernstein, oh, fuck, he hit, he hit me really, man.
6: Uh, <laughs> <I thought so.
1: laughs> it would be like the stuff that Dan Bernstein was saying about the run game, Mm-hmm. Sounded like what if you could give Matt Nagy truth serum, and he sat down with us in week three of last season? That would be the stuff Nagy was saying about why he doesn't like to run the ball. You know, running the ball doesn't—you you can't score running the ball, you can't win running the ball, you can't run it. But that's 1970s football. I'm mm-hmm. here to throw 39, 59 times a game, 60 times a game because that's what wins in the league. You know, and again, I don't know. I don't have Dan Bernstein's weekly fucking show memorized, but I bet you last year at this time, he was probably saying, we need to run the ball more and being critical. But it sounds like he could be Matt Nagy saying this shit. I mean, the Bears for years ran the ball more than they passed with Ditkin. It led to a fucking Super Bowl win. Now, again, you had a, a defense that's better than this, but I know that's a long time ago, but running the football isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're successful at it.
2: I buy into that too. Now, it is a passing league, uh, but that doesn't mean anything. Usually, when the games get down to December and the playoff games in January and so forth, it's not passing that wins games, it's defense it is fucking defense. So if anything, we should be talking about how much better can this defense be? Because if with if we got a powerful running game that's averaging 280 yards a game rushing and an adequate passing game, then all you need is is a 2018 defense, a 2006 defense, a 1985 defense, get you really deep into the playoffs and and into the Super Bowl. That's what you need. So I, I'm with you there. I think part of the anxiety that we fans feel is just, we've never had a fucking quarterback.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. Let, let me rewind uh, something I've said on the show before, but I feel like it's poignant. Mm-hmm. Um Let's say, and against week four now, but let week two, week two of last year, if it was post week two, and we were in, uh, let's say, Cincinnati, Ohio, we might be talking about Joe Burrow just went to Soldier Field and threw three picks on three straight plays against the sorry-ass Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. This team's not going anywhere. They can't Mm -hmm. fucking pass. They can't run. And look at them. They lost to the sorry-ass Bears. That team went to the Super Bowl. And I'm sure there was enormous anxiety after Joe Burrow went to Chicago and threw three picks in three straight plays, if you recall. Last mm-hmm. season and the Bears beat the team that went to the fucking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So who would have thunk in September of 2021 that the Cincinnati Bengals not only would beat Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium, but they would go to the Super Bowl? Things mm-hmm. happen. Teams come together, teams mesh, mm-hmm. teams get hot, and shit happens. I mean, it's it's September. For us to rule out the opportunity of the Bears coming together, it, it, to me is insanity. And maybe I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't put my mortgage on it. Yeah, but is it implausible? I don't think so. I just don't think so. But I'm with uh, you. Yeah. With I mean, it's just too, too much on that. Uh, and, okay. And I, I like Lawrence Holmes. I do. But criticizing the players for working hard after the game. Criticizing right. Mooney for saying I'm going to go out and catch the jugs and and for Justin to to work on his cardio after the game. He feels like he just he comes out in the presser and he says, I played like shit. I got to do something. He's probably alleviating stress by getting on the 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 uh the what am I looking for? I was wanting to say stare the treadmill. He's mm-hmm. he's alleviating stress. He's like, I just played so poorly, I've got to get this out of me somehow instead of sitting here and fretting over it. How could you criticize the guys for wanting to? to work out or be better. I just don't get it.
2: So glad you brought that up. What? First of all, I think that Holmes is, is uh, some of uh, Dan Bernstein seems to be rubbing off on of him because I've never heard yeah. Holmes take that approach to a player working hard. And secondly, he failed to realize I took it as this is Mooney reprimanding himself. This is Mooney telling himself, go to the fucking corner and do 150,000 push-ups or something right. like that. He felt so bad about his performance that he wanted to punish himself. Of course, you know, catching passes immediately after the game isn't probably going to help you next Sunday, but the mentality of making that decision and going out there and not celebrating with your teammates and going out there and doing that, that to me is is an offense that you should embrace, not fucking shit on.
1: Yeah, I don't understand the, the criticism, especially with Fields in that situation. He He's obviously cognizant by his own words. He wants to play better, and that's his way of, of trying to get the stress off of him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they were talking about muscle memories, to hear them say that with Rex all the time, his muscle memory. Pep Hamilton's in here to work with him on his muscle memory. I think I made the analogy last night uh, on uh, the – bears country podcast i'm not sure if it's on the portion on the bar room or the other but either way it's like if you were shooting free throws is the analogy i was thinking in my head if i'm if i'm concentrating on hitting a free throw but i'm like okay make sure my elbows in don't do this don't do that do that i might like, brick it but if you just go up there calmly and fucking dribble do whatever you, everyone has a routine when they're doing their free throw and then you just bend your knees and you hit it and you're not thinking that's when you're playing your best when you're not thinking about your form and where your fucking heel is for justin when he's dropping back and he's just doing it versus concentrating on it or or even fucking well we talk a lot about sex on here if you're sitting there thinking the whole time about your form am i using my back Am i putting my back into it you know like or, or are you just having like primal like caveman fun i mean The point is, if you're sitting there thinking about your form the whole time, it's going to take away from everything else. So I think Fields wants to be good so badly that he is thinking and overthinking. And as a result, that's affecting his play. And he probably knows that. But a point that was made, uh, I don't remember who said it, actually. I think it was Trent Dilfer. You know, he makes that horrendous pick the second one just really bad because the first one, again, Cole was open. He just had a bad throw. But the second one's bad, but he comes right after that and makes some fucking big-time throws after that. He didn't sit and wallow. He didn't sit and say, well, now I can't do this. Now I know that I suck, just like Mike March says. He came right out and made a couple of big throws right after that to show, hey, I can overcome some adversity here. I think these are positive signs. I think Trent Dilfer was as fair as he could be in the segment evaluating things, saying, hey, uh, he had one throw get away from him on the pick. That happens to everybody. You don't want to see it all the time. A couple of sacks are because of the line, not because of him. And he made made one shitty, shitty read and a bad throw. And he came right back after that and made two big clutch first down passes to commit. Yep. So... I mean, this is a guy showing that he can overcome some
2: adversity. I'm with you. 110%. Great analysis.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, in our past, which is part of the reason we all feel this anxiety, which is valid, by the way. I'm not telling anyone that I'm better than them, I know more, or anything like that. And I get if people are saying, oh, I don't know about Fields right now. But it's all because uh, of struggles of quarterbacks in previous years. Am I right? I mean – and I mean, how
2: many, and, yeah, cool. and patience, you know, generally fans really almost in every scenario. They want the rookie to excel right away. It's hard to be patient. I mean, we have to remember that we all said, if you just run the ball a lot with this great running back team and the defense plays well, we'll give Justin Fields time to develop and we can make the playoffs this year. Right. everybody to a man was saying that and now that that's what's happening but we've seen some concerning throws by Justin Fields. Now we've lost what we ourselves were preaching. So that's, exactly just drives me nuts. You know, there's just no way that you should expect a quarterback under this, these circumstances, young quarterback, second offensive coordinator in two years, a completely new wide receiver room with the exception of of uh, uh, Darnell Mooney and, if you want to count, Cole Komet. Uh, 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 an offensive line that has been put together, they have no cohesion and so forth. And these guys can run block. God bless them. But pass blocking, they're still having some issues. So when you factor all of these things in, the coaching staff is making good decisions because we're 2-1. and Have they been perfect with their decisions? Absolutely not. But they've made decisions to get us to win, and that we should be grateful for. Guess what, everybody? There's 14 more football games this season. And after those 14 games, if Justin Fields is still missing open wide receivers, is still overthrowing wide open wide receivers, then I'm going to be concerned. But uh, I'm nowhere near uh, in panic mode right now.
1: And keep in mind, we still don't have Patrick at center, which hopefully maybe could come this week. I, I don't know if that's... Again, me just being overly ambitious. But they—they they, he's supposedly snapping in practice again, right? Am I, uh, didn't I read that?
2: He uh, snapped in practice last week. And so the decision was made, you know, let's go another week with him at guard and getting his uh, snaps in and getting back into play shape. I totally anticipate he's going to be the center this upcoming Sunday against the Giants. And, and then
1: leads to- into Minnesota, which we're really going to need him. To be mm-hmm. on his A game the next week, so I would think he plays. And I know that Olin loves Mustafa, but I feel like if if you have Tevin at right guard and Patrick center, if if he's snapping the ball, well, that makes us better there on a, the offensive line because Mustafa, unfortunately, is sort of a weak link there. And I'm concerned about Boren, but I don't want to keep uh, <laughs> mentioning about Larry Borum and sound like I just have something against him. My point being, so in the in the coming weeks. We could or should, I, I would think, get Valus Jones finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid we draft or traded from New England should be coming back soon and be able to activate by week six. I think.
2: I think a- after week four, he's eligible to be activated. So there's a chance we could see in week five. We'll see how he's developing with that surgery. It's too bad they just don't aren't fucking honest about that shit. Yeah, but-
1: well, so Pringles out, Pringles out. But you got two guys maybe coming in. That could be better than he was anyway, and the offensive line may be improving now, and some of that will help Justin. I wanted to acknowledge this uh, from Sonny. Sonny was having a conversation with Greg Braggs, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know whose original point it was, but he asked me to 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 throw this your way and see what your comments were. Uh, essentially, every time Fields goes on a play action or rollout, there's a pass rusher in on him immediately.
6: <laughs>
2: I'm so, r- uh, I'm laughing because I've got a videotape queued up right now to show you that he is absolutely correct. Take a look at this play here. I'm going to uh, freeze it here just to uh, get you out of the way. And so this is going to be an RPO. Fields will drift off and circle off to his left, and there's going to be a defender right there. And this is happening more and more because they know this is one of Justin Fields' strengths. They don't want him to get outside the pocket. So they immediately send somebody and see the guy right there in front of Justin Fields' face. And so he's got to make a quick decision, not allowed to set up properly, and he throws an errant pass. Now, here's the here's the uh, goal line view of it. Um, so you'll see that after the handoff, after the RPO decision is made, he goes to his left and there's a guy right there in front of him. And unfortunately, just overthrows that guy a little you bit. See,
1: you see the player streaking down the field there.
2: Yeah, all the way up on the left. Exactly.
1: Yeah. God, if he if he makes that throw, then
2: I exactly. mean, he doesn't
1: have time to set up. Though he doesn't have time to set his feet. He's already. You know. Oh, oh shit! I'm about to get hit mode. You know.
2: Right. So here's my here's my question here. Um, the uh, the tight end, the guy who is in the slot, or he actually he's in motion now. He, he could have blocked that guy that was coming in. I don't understand why 85 Cole Komet didn't smack him right there. Just fucking hit him. At least chip him. Right. Because if you know the play, Justin Fields is coming in that direction. At least chip the guy to give Justin a, another nanosecond or two to look downfield and make a more accurate throw. But, uh, Cole Komet doesn't even doesn't even look at the guy. He just goes straight out to to uh, be the short. Uh safety valve on that play that i i just don't understand that it was kind of frustrating but again you know somebody who knows a lot more about football will say well in that case you know he's supposed to do this and that and so forth i don't give a fuck i know if i was out on the field i would have fucking chipped that guy because i knew my quarterback was going to be right behind me on a rollout
1: <laughs> there was a sequence in the fourth quarter i i don't remember at what time or i didn't make a recording of it etc where fields got hit i think it was toward the right from the right side of the line and he, the the man in motion went to the left mm-hmm. that could be fields own fault for sending the protection to the wrong side but i was thinking after watching it, it was like if the motion man comes back then he's got someone to help him there with the blitz coming on the right but i guess that's inexperience as well mm-hmm. that he's sending his own protection the opposite side of the field now i don't know if that's who's maybe that is Justin's fault I don't know yeah. but it seemed like the motion man he should have called him back over and he's protected there and he has a potential touchdown pass that's later in the game but considering I don't have the video maybe it's a moot point To but that that was my recollection of it the motion man went to the opposite side when the blitz was coming
2: yeah I, I think I, I remember that play and you know there's all sorts of plays like that that are working against Justin Fields so we have to be careful not to lay all of the onus on on Justin take a look at this one this is i know Chubbs is in the uh, uh in the chat room and he is probably the number one hater of week. he's going to love <laughs> that i'm actually sharing this with people um i shared it earlier today with greg gabriel and greg was a lot uh more he's always fluid. hated
1: Mustafa, right
2: no, he's he's been a uh, a backer. He doesn't like him as much as Olin Krutz does, but he thinks that we could do a lot worse. And and today, Greg was forgiving of this particular blocking snafu by both um, um, uh, Mustafer and the left tackle Braxton Jones. So take a look at that here. Mustafer at the center. He's got the nose tackle over his left shoulder in that uh, one gap. And so he is going to move to his left, and then you got the left guard, Cody White here, curling on a sweep, and it creates a traffic problem for Sam Mustafer. But what Mustafer does wrong first is that he steps forward as opposed to going laterally with his man. See how he steps forward, and now he loses him. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields is under severe attack. And he oh took a
1: pop too.
2: He did because there was problems on the right side, and problems on the left side, and problems in the middle with of the offensive line. So how can you blame Justin Fields when he's facing this? Yeah, I mean, he's, there's three guys draped all over him. The poor guy, I feel sorry for him. Here it is in slow motion. Braxton Jones, number 70, loses control of his guy, and David Montgomery can't hold his block. I mean, he had no fucking chance at all.
1: (laughs) We were talking last night. uh, Again, I I think it was pointed out that Alex Leatherwood is the backup right tackle, and Mm -hmm. Riley's on the left side. But uh, maybe it's because they don't want to pay him. Everything's incentive but if you have an insurance policy of a guy that's been proven to be uh, uh, at least an above average lineman, mm-hmm. at some point, maybe you get your you get your appropriate center and you get Jenkins at right guard. Do, do you put him in at right tackle and say, look, I know we're trying to develop Boreham, but fuck, let's protect fields.
2: Yes. Uh, well, you know, it, they've been saying all along, it's the best five are going to be out there. The best five are going to be out there. To me right now it's it's really hard to determine who other the best five like for instance then if i told you pick your given the players that we have now remember leatherwood is on injured reserve won't be available for probably the middle of the season if that so he's out of the equation give me your best five starting at the left tackle and going all the way to the right tackle and i'll ask people in the chat room too Tell me who you think are the best five because I think we're going to see lots of different combinations pop up here in the chat room. What do you think?
1: I mean, Braxton's given up what three sacks already, but still, I feel like it's unrealistic to say he's coming out of the lineup. They like him, and I think he's going to improve too. It's again, it's he's only had three starts, so I won't I won't remove Braxton at left tackle. White hair is always kind of like, shouldn't you be better? Yeah, exactly <laughs> not you be better you have the captain now i mean you've been here since fucking cutler was here for god's sake man like can't you be better but i'll leave cody at left guard at least for the rest of this season i think he's gone after that i'm gonna put Luke, lucas patrick at center i'm gonna put tevin jenkins at right guard and i'm gonna put riley reef in at right tackle i know that's probably not going to happen but that's that's what i'd like to see
2: well, very interesting. Let's see some of the other combinations here. This is Cliff Victoria. He's got Braxton, Whitehair, Lucas, Tevin, and Borum. So not a major change. He's basically just uh substituted Mustafer and Lucas. CJ Williams says Borum Jenkins at left guard, moving white hair back to center. I thought we saw enough and- of
1: white hair at center. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's not the best at snapping the ball, that's for sure. Lucas Patrick, keep him at right guard and, and move uh, Braxton Jones to right tackle. So you're flipping Borum and Jones. Interesting choices there. Well, else? So anybody else chime in with a, a couple? Here's Leo DeFactor. Uh Borum at left tackle, Whitehair at left guard, Patrick at center, Mustafer at right guard, and Jenkins at right tackle. Holy shit! I bet you this is like would be like a Rubik's cube kind of thing where we could get you know, I don't know, thirty thousand different I, responses. Uh, right. Well, way. the
1: only thing I I would I'm not trying to reject uh, the factor. I forget whom uh, suggested the same thing before about mm-hmm. swapping tackles. But you're already into week four of the season. Like I, that's what we did to Kyle Long. Uh, switch positions here, go here, here, go there. If I'm if we're trying to develop Braxton Jones, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him a left tackle the rest of the season unless less injury or just horrific play. And I don't think he's played terribly. I think he's a young man who was a fifth round pick and doing the best he can, and hopefully he'll get better. I don't want to move him yet. Is what I'm saying it, you know it, maybe that's something doing the summer I don't know but like I think for 22 that's our left tackle I I don't I, again he's given up a couple of sacks but I don't see like it seems like Borum gives up consistent pressure even if the guy's not hitting fields his man's always coming always coming when I'm watching Borum or, or mustafer to me are the ones that are in a little bit of white hair uh, it seems like Jenkins is doing fairly well when he's in there. And, again, I, Braxton's given up a couple of plays. But, it, to me, it's Borum and Mustafa that are about to get him killed.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, though, one thing that Borum is doing well is blocking the run. Would you not agree?
1: Yeah, the whole damn line, with the exception of that first half in San Francisco is doing well
2: hmm Take a look at this play. Right tackle is Larry Borum, a good old number 75, I believe. Watch yeah. him get downfield and throw an outstanding block on Killer Herbert's uh, touchdown play. Herbert will go left, and from the right tackle position, there he goes, second level. He gets that block, he gets that block, and he pushes him out to the sideline, so Herbert can score. I mean... Larry Borum, man, that is outstanding to get your right tackle out that far. That's why they want athletic offensive linemen, guys that can run. I thought that was pretty sweet when I saw that it's on the table. close to
1: a hold there, honestly. I'm sorry say again? Close to a hold.
2: Yeah. Well, if you we'd know. have been
1: playing Green Bay, they'd have probably called holding on 75 <laughs> right there. You're right so about If you watch this, we're about
2: right there. Well, you're right. He's got his hand right behind him, yeah.
1: Against the Packers, I guarantee that flag's throw. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. by the way, I am fucks fucking sick and tired of uh penalties, holding calls and so forth. can can they do anything with the rules? Like make hold can, can you make holding legal? I mean, it's happening every fucking play. I mean make holding legal legal and then Give something to the defense. You know you can kick him, kick him in the balls. If somebody holds you, kick him in the balls. Hey, it's off fair.
1: Make, I mean, obviously they're not going to do that. But if they were going to give holding to the offensive line, then I say you give, you take away illegal contact. You let, yeah. the, let the corners fucking like you got to be a man, fight off of them, man. They're going to put their hands on you seven, eight yards downfield, and let's see who can win.
2: I like that idea.
1: That like the 70s, fair. like the Raiders Steelers, where both, both defenses are just beating the shit out of their receivers. Mm-hmm. To the point you recall, Chuck Noll was trying to get the Raiders on criminal charges for a hit on Lynn Swan in 76.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a, Hey, well, maybe they could test it out on some games, some preseason games. Or so what about. Um, testing it out at the flag football Pro Bowl game.
1: Uh, Can't the Pro Bowl just be canceled at this point? It's a flag football game? Well, make it the Pro Bowl. Make it like veterans coming back out of retirement to play the f- a fucking flag game
2: Well, but you did hear that they canceled the pro bowl and now it's going to be a flag football Yeah, that's
1: game. what i was commenting on that's what i'm saying why not just have it be like legends from the past playing flag football that would be more interesting wouldn't you rather just see like jerry rice playing flag football than this year's pro bowl receiver
2: Hey, well, I thought you know really what what would be the best that I think would get good ratings and would be a good promotion for the league is just have one of the college all star games take the place of the Pro Bowl game. I mean that that's a game that matters a, a college all star game because everybody's fighting for draft positioning they are all uh, fighting to improve uh, impress scouts and that would be better. For me, than watching Lynn Swan in a wheelchair going out, or guys professional uh, modern today professionals going out and not really playing football, there I don't know what the fuck they've been doing the last five, seven years or so.
6: Yeah, <laughs> so kind
1: of, yeah. why not yeah. just uh, get rid of the Pro Bowl and 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 but have it in terms of you know how every year there's always it's like a popularity contest and mm-hmm. people that actually deserve to be All Pro or Pro Bowl are sort of ignored. Well, just vote it. Or, uh, don't vote on it, but just like get award it to the the people that really deserve it, even if it's not your Tom Brady's or your Aaron Rodgers. Although Aaron, you know, typically does deserve it. I'm not going to take that away from him. Mm-hmm. But look, not make it a fucking like a a popularity contest. Give it to the people that really earn it, earned it in that particular season, mm-hmm. and not even play the game. But you could still award them with that juncture that 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 recipient of a Pro Bowl, I I made the Pro Bowl, I was one of the best right guards this season, you know, or whatever. It's incentive-laden for their contracts, but you give it to the people that really deserve it versus who we want to see in that fucking game for the cheap rating on the Saturday afternoon, the week before the Super Bowl or whatever. So cancel the fucking game, but make it right on who deserves to be there. I like
2: that. I like that. I, by the way, Troy just gave me an idea. He posted this a second ago. Let's see Far versus the state of Mississippi for the Pro Bowl. How about if you did like a longest yard thing? So the Pro Bowl game is all former NFL players who are now incarcerated. Because I, it, I do believe Brett Favre will be eligible for that game in the near
6: future.
2: He, he lost was- his
1: gig with serious.
2: That's right. They they well, a temporary suspension or something is how they turn that. Yeah, but he he lost that
1: gig. <laughs>
2: yeah, I
1: mean it doesn't look good when you're taking money from in the poorest state of the union, knowingly taking money from their welfare system so that your daughter can play volleyball on a better court. Yeah, crazy. or whatever they call volleyball—is it a court? <laughs> what they call
2: <laughs> court? Yeah. Cliff Cliff is right. we're we're you know, uh, we're not looking at this from a financial standpoint. um, so that would definitely change ideas. but um, you know the the game does get good ratings, and so they've got to have something, um, because it's a money maker. For the, for the NFL. The networks are still paying for it because they're get, getting good ratings. Now they have canceled the game, so we'll see what this flag football – the flag football thing could end up being a, a pretty good uh, uh, attraction, a good uh, entertaining game, and also promote flag football, which is something that the league has been trying We're, to
1: do. I was going to suggest something that they did in the early 90s anyway, like on ESPN in the middle of the night when they – it was either, are we going to show bowling – Mm-hmm. Or uh, the, the exercising shit with Denise Austin, or we're going to show this. Uh, but remember, like, for years, you know, the the highlight of the NBA All-Star game was either three-point shoot contest, a dunk contest. So I know they used to have, like, the quarterback challenge and stuff. But mm-hmm. maybe the Pro Bowl weekend, something like that, where you highlight receivers and quarterbacks and and have, like, a competitive thing where there's nobody being hit on, like, the quarterback challenge, the equivalent of, like, a dunk contest or something, you know? Mm-hmm where you have your name your name guys there, uh, they get a free trip to Hawaii or wherever they're going to have it, maybe the same city as the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and just slinging the ball around and to throwing it to wide receivers and such. I mean, maybe that's a shitty idea, but it's something.
2: Do, do you remember, uh, you said something that just sparked some, some memory, the superstars back in the 1980s, I believe it was, on ABC TV?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: All right, so maybe they do something like that where they have all of these Pro Bowl players play, you know, uh, basketball against one another. Oops. Uh, And then
1: somebody blows their knee out, and then that's that because they'll be (laughs) violating their contract. We were talking about that last night. It's so Chicago for someone like Jason Williams to be like, he was riding a motorcycle. He's out for the fucking – he's out forever. That's
2: right. You remember this? This Scott Tenley. I don't. I don't. I don't know what sport he's. That from. mustache is horrible. Vince then, Coleman,
1: great, great baseball player. At St. Louis Cardinals.
2: Yes, indeed, outstanding. And so this can't be good. I remember watching Joe Fraser in that swimming competition. He didn't swim. He sunk. Man, he went straight down the. All the way to the bottom. I we, I should go back a little bit and see who the, the participants are because that's yeah, but Joe cool. Frazier's
1: the whole thing in life was this big left hook. Yeah, no that's one, right. No one said Joe Frazier's going to fucking go swim. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why the hell. There's Greg Luganis. He was, remember, he hit his head on the diving board at the oh Olympics. I,
2: I remember seeing that live and thinking, how the hell is this guy still alive? And then we learned later that he,
1: uh, he had HIV at the time and HIV. didn't know it.
2: And, and, well, didn't he know it, or he did know it and didn't say anything? I oh, I know. think
1: he didn't know it, and uh, his blood was everywhere. I, th- I didn't think he knew yet, but maybe so.
2: Yeah, I, I don't remember. That was in
1: Seoul, Korea when that happened, right? 88?
2: Yes, indeed. Todd Wara, he was a pitcher, Yeah, right? a
1: good pitcher of the
2: Cardinals. Man, you know your baseball too, bro.
1: Well, the old baseball. I don't watch it now. I can't. I just – how can you have the, D, the fucking DH in the National League? I just fuck it, man. Mm-hmm. Fish There's Mark Aspino, the big uh, sack man, dance man with the Jets. <laughs> he looks like he's freezing his ass off after the swimming competition. <laughs> What's up with the mullets and the mustache back then? I
2: don't know. Somebody told me, "Hey, your hair looks like a mullet," and this was years ago, and I I, 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 can't live that down. I can't believe I was walking around with a mullet. Okay, let's see who goes.
1: got this horrible mustache. Everybody, except well, except him. There's God, Roger I'm Craig, a great running backs or me. fullback. You yep. can play both.
2: There's Gasinau, and there's Todd Warrell. All right, you want to pick a winner on this one? <laughs> go. Maybe go go. that
1: Scott Tenley is going to win it with his Hulk Hogan mustache. Well, I
2: think it's going to be – Vince yeah.
1: Coleman again.
2: Yeah, I think, it, I think you're right. It, it is. No, it's Todd Warrell. Wow. Look at that. Well, there's our, our look back. Retro would be pop, proud of us that we're showing an old episode of the Superstars.
6: Let's not
2: have his thoughts on it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Don't send me a video, Retro. <laughs> Whatever you do. <laughs> I hate
6: right. to say that.
2: I've got a couple of sound bites here that I'd like to play. A couple of them I actually played on the Gabriel Talks football show, but I wanted to get your, your, uh, uh, take on this uh, this is um flu's talking about lucas patrick uh starting over tevin jenkins on sunday's game against the texans
13: it's about practice you know so we evaluate practice uh wednesday is a big day for us thursday and friday and we thought that uh you know lucas did a good job of practicing and he was solid in in his practice and uh you know tevin Uh, Did a nice job, you know, on Thursday, Friday, but needs to have a better Wednesday uh, for him to be able to uh, step into that role.
2: What the fuck is that about? Tevin Jenkins shows up to practice Wednesday and he doesn't have a good practice. So he doesn't start. Do you think we have a problem with Tevin Jenkins in terms of his fortitude, mental fortitude? I don't know exactly what he meant by by not having a good practice, but I immediately assumed that he didn't show up ready to play hard, ready to practice hard. At
1: first I thought he was just trying to be polite and, you know, and they're not going to come out and say that Lucas Patrick needs reps so he can be ready to play center because he missed all of the camp and we're just trying to get him reps here. That's why they're alternating. But then if that were the case, there's no reason to just bury, I mean, in the fucking dirt, Tevin Jenkins there. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like, well, it, how can he be performing so badly on Wednesday? But he's doing well on Thursday and Friday. I,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. know. Chubb says, uh, this answer right here was the first time I actually thought Eberflus was making bullshit up. I, I don't might know. be right. <laughs> yeah. There have been a couple times where Eberflus will, it will like ask you to repeat the question because I think he's thinking. Hello, of an Andrew
1: Reserve, what'd you say? Yeah, exactly. That's what exactly. we were talking about last night what Uh, i can't hear you
6: i can't hear you
2: (laughs) and when uh, dan mentions last night he is talking about the bears country podcast with mr shorty and cliff victoria's cliff notes and that show is on every monday night at 7 p.m central right here on the bar room network and then they continue it over at the bears country podcast channel in two weeks when the white Sox season is over that two or three hour long bears country podcast will be here on both channels byum network and at the Bears Country podcast so you're mentioning the White yeah.
1: Sox I'm curious uh is La Russa gone then forever
2: well the, the yeah the word is is that uh because of health issues he is will not come back but that has not been officially announced by the team but uh yeah he has not managed the game in about a month now and the team started playing much better but too late to uh get back into the playoffs and uh and now it looks like the the White Sox will have a new manager next season uh cuz Tony La Russa is on his way out along with his bad ticker.
1: Yeah, I mean I always hated La Russa but man goddamn guy's got to be 80 years old. Yep, close to it late 70s or something so you know yeah, he's, yep. he's definitely a Hall of Fame manager. He won his World Series in 89 and it's too bad that the Dusty doesn't have one because everyone would say he was a Hall of Famer if he if he had a World Series.
2: Does Dusty have a chance this year? He's what team he's managed? The uh, Giants, Astros, Astros. Yeah. So I don't. Know. I haven't been following baseball. So
1: I haven't either. So I'm saying that you. I I heard that they're going to create like a pitch count, like
2: time clock. I did hear that, which would interest me enormously because that's one of the reasons I don't like watching baseball that much anymore is because the pitchers are playing with their nuts for 30 seconds before they fucking pitch the ball. And I don't mean that.
1: Getting rid of the shift too. It's like, dude, learn how to hit to the opposite side. And why is there a DH in the national league? Why so much interleague play? That's why the all-star game in the world series mattered before. And they don't now.
2: Mm. That is, that is, you know, baseball needs a lot of fixing. And I don't think they got the, uh, the commissioner, the right commissioner to, uh, to handle those changes. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, – let's listen to Iberflus talk about Justin Fields' passing problems.
13: Yeah, I would just say keep on working on his footwork, you know, the footwork and then the timing, you know, the timing of it when to get the ball out of his hands. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the pocket too at times. You know, we were looking at the film, so we got to make sure we have a clean pocket for him to ride the pocket up and then deliver the ball. And, again, it's never one guy. You know, it's also more about the uh, – that the protection you know make sure we show that up the best we can and also the timing of the routes and making sure we're timing that up so we're getting better every week you know we had some good explosive passes in this game which we are excited about we're going to build off of those and uh keep going forward
1: you know who he's starting to look like to me who is starting to look like paul westhead no yeah he slicked his hair back like that like a little bit like riley did but I don't even mean necessarily at the Lakers, but like when he was coaching college when they were running, when the guy died, Hank, what was his name? Hank
2: Gathers was that his name? Uh, Hank Gathers, I think it was.
1: Yeah, he was his coach then. So he looked like Westhead in the early 90s there.
2: Mm-hmm. I uh, I think he looks more like uh, the actor, the late great actor, Bill Paxton. You remember Bill Paxton? Yeah of, course,
1: yeah, of course. Of
2: course. Yeah, great actor. Let me see if I can find a picture of him in that way. You know, people can say, "Fucking Aldo, man, he knows, <laughs> he knows his shit." <laughs> um, here's a picture of Bill Paxton. I, I, I tried to find a picture of Paul Westhead, but I keep thinking about who's the actor that played him on the TV show. Jason Segel. Yeah, Jason Segel. There's Matt Eberflus, a younger version of Matt Eberflus. Bill Paxton. I, I don't think Bill Paxton was ever in a bad movie. Do you? God, um, fucking prolific man,
1: uh, he was a good actor. I don't know if I watched all of his movies or not.
2: Yeah, I can't say I have either. But
1: all right, I mean, I'm, I'm sending you a picture of Westhead now. His hair is slicked back, so it's not the same, mm-hmm. but again, it's a worthy comparison, I think. Let's see.
2: I, by the way, I think that the worst uh, Bill Paxton movie was probably Twister, which my fucking, wife, my fucking wife, my wife loves that movie. Every time it's on, it's like stop the channel surfing. She's gonna watch this now for the next several hours. Oh my you're god! My, my, my
1: favorite Bill Paxton movie.
2: You think yeah. it looks like? It? Yes, you're right. I told you. <laughs> I just not even close this <laughs> time.
1: I told you it was Paul Westhead.
2: <laughs> Good call.
1: My favorite Bill Paxton movie was it was a, it's a unique like a sort of a gothic vampire film from '87 called Near Dark.
2: Yeah, I love that movie.
1: Yeah, I thought it was the most unique thing with vampires in the sense that at the end the guy and the girl are saved by a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. Which is unique within the context of vampire films. I've never seen that in any other film, and it makes a lot of common sense. Like, I thought that was a good, a good twist to the film. But yeah, Bill Paxton is. John uh,
2: Carpenter directed that film uh, about. Uh, I'm guessing seven eight years after Halloween.
1: Ah, he was solid as one of the vampires. In it very entertaining.
2: Was. By the way, we're getting a lot of uh, Bill Paxton energy here in the chat room. Paxton was Chet in Weird Science. I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: Robert Downey Jr. is in that, too, before he was famous.
2: Yeah. Uh, John
1: Hughes. He turned Bill Paxton into a big pile of shit on Weird Science.
2: (laughs) True Lies. He was in True Lies. He was good as that kind of uh, huckster uh, guy trying to get in Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, panties.
1: I like that movie you and I talked about recently that was on TCM from, like, 91 or 92 that had him and Billy Bob Thornton. And not the one where they're trying to fight over the money and shit, but when he's a policeman, when they're coming to Louisiana from California.
2: Oh, yes. Dark Moves, I want to say it's called.
1: I can't think of the name of it. And Bill Paxton's, like, the sheriff of some town in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very good film.
2: Oh, my gosh. Now i got to find the title. Billy Bob
1: Thornton was one of the uh, the guys that was uh, – Coming to like do something in the town, like to get money, get drugs, mm-hmm. convert drugs to money. You know,
2: a simple plan. Yeah, that was a good film, man. That was outstanding, man. I highly recommend that to all of our friends. A simple plan with Billy Bob. Uh, what's her name was in it? The uh, Fonda, uh, Bridget Fonda.
1: Ah, yeah, she's I liked her in Single White Female.
2: Single white female, and uh, she was the uh Samuel L. Jackson's girlfriend in and Jackson and uh, Brown.
1: Brown, yeah. Yep, yep. didn't Robert... <laughs> De-,
2: De Niro fuck her in that? Uh, yeah, he <laughs> did. He did. He walked her and he killed her, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, he got stoned and just hit it, man. Like, De Niro had such a small part in that, you know? It's...
2: He did. It was hilarious. They they pull off this robbery or this exchange of money in a mall, and Robert De Niro can't find where he parked the car, and so Bridget Fonda starts making fun of him. Oh, look at you. You can't find the car. Oh, So he pulls out his gun and just puts two slugs in there. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Michael um, Keaton
1: was in that as well. He was the policeman.
2: That's right. He played played an FBI agent. Good film. Very good. Yeah, film. I watched one
1: the other day because Robert Forrester is featured in Jackie Brown. Is like, he's the one trying to fuck Pam Grier? Mm-hmm. But God, I watched something with him in it uh, that had uh, Marlon Brando. Oh yeah, I told you about this. Marlon Brando was in it, and Robert Forrester. It's it's set in the early forties. Uh, but it's actually filmed in the late 60s. But like Marlon Brando is married to uh, Elizabeth Taylor in it. But both of them, it's implied that both of them have a, 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 a like a crush on Robert Forrester. And Robert Forrester comes in the house and it's like Brando thinks he's coming for him. And like he's in, in the closet homosexual, kind of like on American Beauty. Mm-hmm. But when he goes for his wife instead, Brando kills him.
4: Oh <laughs> Jesus!
1: <laughs> yeah, but a lot of it is implied because the era that it was in, you, it wasn't like film was so kind to homosexuals in the late '60s, as you know.
2: Reflections but, in a Golden Eye.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of dug it, and Elizabeth yeah. Taylor, like, uh, God, just fucking incredible back then.
2: Beautiful. You sent me a picture of Elizabeth Taylor uh, naked new. when she was twenty-four. Yeah. I I, First of all, I never knew that she had taken nude photographs. Everybody always talks about Marilyn Monroe's nude photographs as Norma Jean or whatever her name was. But I had no idea that Elizabeth Taylor, who started off as a child actress, had actually exposed her breasts in some pinup type photos. And she looked phenomenal. I've never been a big Elizabeth Taylor uh, fan in terms of looks. Great actress, but, you know... in terms of looks, I, I, I have other preferences, but holy shit, that picture you sent me—I was like, taking a. Maybe I need to see some more of her movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she looks
1: really good in in that film I just referenced.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't
1: seen a lot of her films either, but uh, Betty White took nude photos too. <laughs>
2: holy shit was she the only one of the golden girls who took nudes or did uh, be?
1: i can break this down for you right now if we want to we're taking a pause for the cost. So it's halftime here embarrassed <laughs> time. if you're gonna fuck the golden girls all right you gotta go for rule mcclanahan because uh, she's gonna be cognizant of your emotions and your feelings she uh, wants you to come and like wants you wants you to feel special yes I agree. Like, Dorothy is going to savagely penetrate your ass with a strap on. There's no way around it. You're She's being sodomized with a toy before this night's over. She's uh, out of my list. She's, you know. Rose, Rose is going to be like, oh, I, I don't really know how to do that. And you'll have to show me how to do that. before Your fucking dick's off before that's over with. <laughs> and Sophia's too old. I mean, you know. <laughs>
2: Oh, that is hilarious. Well, thank you for that. Now, do you want to do uh, uh, TV Moms 1950s? <laughs> well, well <like> <laughs> Leave it to Beaver's mother and Ricky Cunningham's mother. You have a preference there?
1: I didn't like Leave it to Beaver. You didn't? I, I didn't. I didn't watch enough of that to even know what they look like. That show was bullshit. I didn't like it at all.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised.
1: No, that's not my kind of show. A good, clean, and wholesome.
2: You <laughs> know? <laughs> were you more of a Beverly Hillbillies kind of
1: guy? I fucking hate the Beverly Hillbillies.
6: <laughs> 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 you know, well, a you similar show.
1: A similar show where some of the girls were hot. You'd be like, I mean, not to say that that. <laughs> that girl wasn't howling at Barely Beverly Hills, but that fucking Jethro is so goddamn stupid. You don't want to watch it. And the, the granny's a redneck or whatever, but, uh, that petticoat junction shows awful too. But those two girls, when they're getting out of that big thing, they're bathing
2: in at the beginning, three of them, brother.
1: Oh, three of them. Yeah. Well, they had
2: a, a blonde and a brunette.
1: Yeah. The brunette, I think was my, my uh, choice there. But again, I didn't like shows like that where they're like everyone's so like country they're dumb and shit, you know.
2: Just yeah, they CBS did a lot of those shows. They really made fun of the, the rural uh, their their rural audience because that they got a lot of ratings from that, but they really yeah. portrayed them as being idiots. And they're that well, has
1: nothing I, to do with where I'm from. I, I don't take a sensitivity approach because of that. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that, that it makes the show less uh, realistic. And that—that's where I, I have problems with it. Not because it's like, oh, I'm defensive because I'm from a small state. Fuck that! I don't care.
2: <laughs> All right, I got some more audio from the coach. One of right. the good things about this game, uh, Mr. Aguirre, was the tackling. Did you notice an improvement in the tackling, How you could you done.
1: not? I mean, and that Purdue. What was his name? Not Purdue. What's the guy's the the back for the Texans? Oh, uh, Damian Pierce. He ran hard. And they yep. held him 80 yards, and he was running hard. So, yeah, the, the tackling was in, in, 100% better than the week before, no doubt yep. about
2: it. This is Floos talking about tackling, technique, Lovey Smith, and blah, blah, blah.
13: You know, for example, if you look, watch Roquan, you know, on, on, his, on his TFL, you know, him getting up, up and into the line of scrimmage, um, that was a big emphasis. So that's called getting up on the runner. So you, when you do that, you really uh, are in a position of power and you're able to wrap through the hamstrings, and your, your pad level is lower, and when you take a guy's legs away, it's hard to run that way. And there were several examples of that. Another one would be Nick Morrow on that screen that when we knocked him out of field goal range on the third down. Um, if you look how low he was in that tackle and where the runner went, he went directly backwards, and uh, that's a way to secure a good tackle. Uh, that's the style we want to play and the style we want to use.
2: Uh, dent, when you played football, did you tackle like that?
1: (laughs) No, I, I, it's, I had to play both sides, you know, and had to play. I can't remember which one of the special teams I played. It was either, you know, punt, kick, two. There was only one instance of the game where I was out, you know, Mm -hmm. but. I, I hated defense. I remember the last game I ever played, I had three sacks in, which I'd never done that before. And every time I was like, can somebody else get them, please? <laughs> I, I feel like defense made me tired. It's almost like if you're a boxer, like you punch, you can, you easily George Foreman yourself and punch yourself out, you know, versus Mayweather, you know, he's sitting there waiting on you waiting on you to get tired, playing defensively. And then he opens up. It's the same thing. I felt like on offense, uh, you, you, they always say the defense can get tired. I believe in that philosophy because the offense, we know where we're supposed to be going. I know if I'm going to be pulling. I know if, what kind of blocking we're doing, and it just it feels like you're attacking because you're trying to score points. Mm. Defense is work, man. It's work. Yep, I'm with I you. Hate tackling. I, I just I, I never felt like I got hurt on offense, even mm. if I got hit. But on defense, I felt like I got tired. And and that's when you you're susceptible to injury when you're really sucking wind.
2: Yeah, exactly. I uh, speaking of injuries, um it does not look like our cornerback, our number one quarterback who has not been thrown at all season long, Jalen Johnson is not going to play. So Again? yes, uh he was on he's got a, a Monday radio gig with uh the Score Sports Radio. And he didn't sound very encouraging when he was asked, you know, when he would be back. It almost sounded like he may miss more than a couple of games. So I will ask you panic or don't fucking panic. Do you panic if uh, Jalen Johnson is not playing Sunday against the Giants or do you not fucking panic?
1: Uh, well, I mean, you want him out there. Uh, I think Kyler Gordon is going to keep getting better and better. I love mm-hmm. the play, the deflection he had on third and one at midfield before Lovey ran the fake punt. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, yeah, you know, he's going to get better and better. The Jones guy that that filled in was okay. Uh, again, Vildor is the one to me that just feels like it's just he gets beat over and over and fucking over. I know he had he batted a ball in the end zone. Give him credit for that, but you, you want Jalen back, but. You know, if he's going to sit out the Giants game and be back before the Minnesota game, then okay, because mm-hmm. we need him in Minnesota. We do.
2: I want to thank Retro for finally. I don't think I think he's the first one in the chat who identified my panic, no panic guy as the Iron Sheik. Did you know it was the Iron Sheik? I did that, not. Yeah, I mean, I found this just randomly, and I said, "Holy shit, this is how." Panic or don't fucking panic.
1: Now that you say that, I see that in him, but I did not know that's who it was at first.
2: He looks like my cousin, my cousin, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was see.
1: the WWF champion for about
2: 10 days. That's it, huh? 10 days. They,
1: they Bob Backlund had the belt for like five years, and and they had his manager through the towel, in, even though Bob didn't tap, and mm-hmm. they gave the Sheik the belt, and then they had just signed Hulk Hogan from the AWA. He comes in immediately. Drops the leg, Hulkamania starts. He beats Iron Sheik at his first match at MSG after Rocky III, which is what Vince wanted to exploit because he become famous because of Thunderlips, if you recall.
2: Ah, uh, no, I don't. was <laughs> at you
1: know, uh, Rocky III, or he wrestled Hulk, uh, Rocky wrestled Hulk Hogan in Rocky III?
2: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, that's what that was Hogan. That's what made Hogan kind of famous was his appearance in Rocky III.
2: Oh, i thought he was famous before that i mean he was
1: sterling golden before that like who the fuck remembers sterling golden and yeah, vince makes him hulk hogan and he drops the leg on the sheik and then you got five years of the man not losing you know so anyway <laughs> she, yeah the, she, she,
2: the transition. memory is insane <laughs> i totally agree your memory is insane um Check out this, uh, speaking of uh, Justin Fields, like we just weren't. (laughs) How about that for a segue? I love this throw that he makes to Cole Komet. Let me uh, freeze it right here. Hold on. So that way I can.
1: Can this be the last year we wear those 36 uniforms, please?
2: Please, please, please. We, We should start a petition. We should definitely start a petition because I totally agree with you. I hate those uniforms. Yeah. Here's, uh, here's uh Fields double pumping and then hitting a strike uh to co-command, I believe. And here, here's a better angle of it. A guy, a quarterback that does this is gonna be okay eventually. You know, just give him a little fucking time. Yeah, he open, he'll find you. Maybe not all the time, but that fucking Tom Brady, he ain't finding nobody nowadays. <laughs> Dude, just laughing. See? Tom, have you, not to
1: elaborate too much on Tom, as I know we're a bears podcast and I'm not a fan of Tom Brady anyway, mm-hmm. I, but man, I know he's allegedly going through a divorce and he looks terrible. Have he you does. looked at this dress he's gone through? Like he, he was Mr. GQ. He looks like he's on drugs right now. He does. He looks, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, sunk in. Like his face yeah. is so fucking, it's like he's lost weight again from like the needle or something. He looks wow. bad, man. That I, I know, man. I went through a divorce, as you recall. That shit will kill him, motherfucker. Oh, you went through a divorce, you know? So <laughs> it'll kill a guy. I oh, mean, yeah. he, it looks like he's aged like at least six, seven years since last year.
2: I totally agree. I was actually going to uh, post a picture of him and make a joke, and then I thought, eh, he's probably going through a hard time. I'll I'll let somebody else make the jokes. Besides, I couldn't think of a really good (laughs) one.
1: If I were and Giselle is that pissed and and leaves him, he can Mm -hmm. always go back to the other really, really attractive lady that he has a kid with.
2: Well, Bridget Monaghan, there is a rumor that he spent some time with her, and that's another reason that Giselle is really pissed off, that she realizes that they're co-parenting, but – there were they, they spent perhaps a little bit more time or secretly spent some time together. So that's another rumor that's out there. Tom Brady has got tons and tons of rumors about him, his personal life. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Mike North chastised me when I said, you know what? I, I think Tom Brady's going to have a tough start to the season because of everything that he's been going through. He's not attending practices on Wednesday. And Mike says, you're talking about Tom Brady. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, everybody has a fucking expiration date. And yeah. if they're not practicing enough and their mind is, you know, distracted by other things, I don't give a fuck who Tom Brady is. He's, he's human. He's, eventually, it's going to come to an end.
1: You just think when, like, when Jordan came back, when they lost to the Magic, it's, I mean, he wasn't in basketball shape yet. And you think, well, but he's Michael Jordan, so he's going to come right back and going to win a championship immediately. Mm -hmm. But it was the next year that they won 72 games because he wasn't ready yet. You know?
2: Yep. By the way, somebody has a message for you. Excuse me, uh, two tries. I put this up. Jason says, I hate Dan. I hate this show. Fuck all of you.
1: Wow. (laughs) Is that a a burner
2: uh, from Jordan? (laughs) Jordan (laughs) Severo? Uh, do you like Jordan Silvera? Let's talk about this. Let's let's <laughs> let's do a. Uh, he did a show
1: together. I thought he was fine, man. But it just feels like he's like a comedian, like a heckler for a comedian now. <laughs> Who's Jason? Whatever the fuck, though. Who is that?
2: Uh, uh, Jason uh, Raggy Raggedy Ass. I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, oh well,
1: uh, I'm sorry that you feel that way, sir. I mean, it's cool. I mean, no animosity on my part. I mean, yeah. I get it. I'm not right. for everybody. That's fine with me.
2: I feel a lot better now that GCA has given us the stamp of approval. Thank you very much, GCA. And by the way, uh Jason uh Raggedy asked, you are more than welcome uh to stick around and hate us more, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: does his say? What is his like icon? I, don't know. Is- I was
2: trying to figure it out <laughs> at first I thought it was like a Clinton thing, but no, it's vote chit chit ooh, answering the call. I,
1: I bet know. that's a Republican
2: then. It does feel a little Republican, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> by the way, um, <laughs> let me play my little drop. Republicans here. don't like
1: me. <laughs> Although I have <laughs> fucked several Republicans. I'll give you that.
2: Uh, I've heard. <laughs> you want to talk
1: about it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm happy where I'm at right now. Uh, there is no segment. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy with the lady I'm with. So, uh,
2: Okay, hold up. Panic. Or don't fucking panic. I don't know why I find that so funny. Nobody else. What does. is that from?
1: I mean, we know it's Iron Sheik, but what, when did he say that?
2: <laughs> I just found it on YouTube under YouTube Shorts, and it was just there. I don't know what he, why he was doing it, when he was doing it. I just find it funny. I, maybe because he looks so much like my cousin Freddie. So I'll have to find a picture of Freddie, and you'll see why is I'm. Freddie from Iran. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Know really I'm not sure. I think he was, wasn't he? My cousin Freddie from Iran. No, but I think the sheikh really was Iranian. I don't think that was like necessarily right. work, you know. Persia.
2: Is 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 there a uh is there a, a thing where if you call an Iranian a Persian and a Persian an Iranian that they get mad? I, I don't uh,
1: probably and I don't want to I don't want to make that mistake.
2: Yeah, I don't either, so let's stay away from that. And Iron Sheik, is the Iron Sheik dead? Didn't he die recently? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I
1: apologize. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now because I want to know if he's really Iranian. I I really <laughs> bought in as a kid and thought, my God, this guy, was like with the hostage crisis or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> While you look that up, I'm going to play a soundbite of uh, – Iberflu's talking about Kyler Gordon, you know, they're the young the young, they're young uh, second round draft. He has a Iranian, name.
1: by the way, but go ahead, he I'm sorry.
2: Iranian. Okay, excellent. What, what else you got on him?
1: Uh he
2: is he's alive. He's 80. He's alive. Oh, good for him. Thank you. Uh I hope you're not gonna charge me for using Panic. That. or don't fucking panic. I just find that hilarious. All right, this is uh, Matt Eberflus talking about Kyler Gordon, who's had some problems and uh, gave up a big-time reception this uh, past Sunday.
13: I do believe you have to look at that. You know, you always got to look at that.
2: He was, he was asked um, – is because he's getting burned most of the time when he's playing that slot cornerback position. That's when he's had the most difficulties. So he was asked, do you think that you're probably giving him too much in terms of responsibilities in the slot and outside? I do
13: believe you have to look at that. You know, you always got to look at that, especially when you're working with a rookie, the guy that's been in there, it's it's the first time. But he's shown that he can do it. You know, so his techniques are good. Um, You know, in terms of knowing his assignments are good inside and outside. So we're we're pleased with where he is uh relative to that.
2: Gotta give him uh for being honest,
1: right? Yeah it felt uh, like honesty. That's what that's exactly what I was thinking.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I've got the clip here where Kyler is burned. Um I forgot what quarter what this was this, but there you see the arrow on Kyler Gordon. I'm gonna <laughs> I love, I love it when you're looming over these highlights. <laughs> 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 it's a pretty cool look, but you'll actually get in the way of the shot. So I got to lose you right now. So this is Kyler Gordon guarding his guy, and after the game, Eberflu said it was Kyler Gordon's fault, and I could, because he's supposed to stay with the receiver all the way through. But I think Eddie Jackson kind of fucks this thing up, too, because he acts as a screen and gets in Kyler's way. And then Kyler, I think, thought, well, okay, Eddie, you take him. (laughs) And and Eddie didn't, and so Kyler ended up looking pretty bad on this play. Here it is in uh, regular speed. There's the confusion there in the middle of the field and the receiver wide open. I think it was a 50-yard-plus play, so that was a backbreaker. Was it on third down, too? Yeah, it was a third down play. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And we look on it. Uh, again, Eddie Jackson gets like right in the fucking way. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that was his assignment to watch that short middle pass. But okay, there was, caught, caught it in short middle. Shouldn't you have been involved in that? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Good for the Bear fans there because did you see the right guard had to slap the center on the silent play count or the the snap there? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they must have been going with the silent snap count. So if you see the other view, he slaps him to tell him to snap the ball. Uh, So the Bear fans are making noise there, man. Watch. Yep. There there goes your snap. So, I mean, we're bringing the noise there.
2: I got to give it to Bears fans, you know, who are notoriously uh, fans that sit on their hands. Uh, This season in the two home games, They've been pretty damn good. They've been making some noise, and I love to see that. There's nothing more demoralizing for me as a Chicago sports fan uh, when the White Sox fans, Cubs fans, Bulls fans, Blackhawk fans, Bears fans are just sitting on their fucking hands, not making any noise, and then you turn on the TV and watch sports from some other city, and they're just so fucking into it. It makes me jealous. Uh, so – Keep it up, Bears fans. And, um, you know,
1: some highlights, though, from the like when Walter broke Jim Brown. Oh, okay. crap. Nuts. And, and all the 85 playoff games. Mm-hmm. I mean, so against the Rams and Giants. I mean, give them a winner. Yep. I know well, what you're saying, that we shouldn't be front runners.
2: Right. But and Chuck still, is right. You know, the tickets are so cheap that the only people that can afford them are people that don't know anything at all about football. I mean, that really is the case. I've sat around. And some nice seats. I've sat around people who were talking about their portfolios and not about the the pocket passer from the other team. Um, so it's true. Pack- you can
1: buy the whole Sunday ticket package and watch your game sixteen or seventeen weeks a season, mm-hmm. and it would be more affordable than going to one game in person. Wow. Wow. You'd pay, you'd three, think about it, you'd pay three hundred dollars for the ticket at least right now. It's mm-hmm. probably going to go up after the season. It'd be three hundred dollars for the Sunday ticket. You could sit home in the comfort of your own house, drink your own beer, shit in your own toilet, whatever you got to do. And if you go to the game and you take you go with somebody else, it's going to be at least five hundred dollars.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. What's Bird Doc talking about when he says this? Those rants get old quick. Who wants to listen to some idiot screaming into a mic on that? Who's he referring to? Was it me? <laughs> Not God, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> is, that, that, is that Phil and Shane disguising? We're, we're being fucking ribbed tonight, I think. <laughs> I love it. Bring it on, guys. <laughs> what, rant, what were you ranting about recently? What would have brought that on? I don't know. A lot of times in the in the chat room, people just have conversations about other things. You know, their personal (laughs) lives, some other game. The
1: one guy guy kept uh, talking about Lovey's nipples last night because Lovey's nipples were showing Sunday, but he made reference to them to the the word Dan's lady kitty. She's like he makes me feel uncomfortable. He reminds me of Buffalo Bill on the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: funny as shit, man. Oh god, I don't know if I should have said it was off air.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, do I have uh, one last Iberflue soundbite here? I think I do. I think I do. All right, I think I, I I've not played this, which is Flue talking about something that we talked about earlier in the show. And I want to get uh, Tooch's take on this when he comes in, particularly since he's a gambler. But th- that's the whole question about: Do you call plays? Do you strategize to develop this hopefully franchise quarterback, or do you de- do you develop your strategy and your schemes for Sunday more so and? and and definitely more so to win the game.
13: Yeah, I mean, there's you always look at that, but it's always going to be the first. You know, we're going to try to – we're doing everything we can to win the game. You know, that that's the most important thing that, you know, what's the style we would have to play to win that particular game? You know, and it, it changes. You know, that changes every week to week. You know, this week we were in a mode where it was a style which we had to play uh, to win the game, and, and and it came out in the right end. Yeah.
2: And they, And it worked, right? It, it worked, and so let's keep it up. I don't give a fuck if he's going to only throw 15 times. The development, again, there's 14 fucking games, plenty of time to develop. Yes, I'd love to see him throw for 300 yards, but if we're going to win some games and he's going to develop slowly over that course of us winning and building a winning culture, I, I, I'm good for that. I'm good let's not it.
1: forget when Fox was still here, and I think it was his last season. Yeah, because Mitch was a rookie. We beat the Panthers in a game when Mitch only threw seven passes. That's right, <laughs> seven <laughs> passes. And and like he, they had a lead. They got a defensive touchdown, maybe from Eddie Jackson. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and it's just like he's like, all right, we're up fourteen, so fuck it, we're just going to run the ball all day. Mm-hmm.
2: Now you were never a Kyle Orton fan.
1: No, 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 I was a Rex fan. <laughs>
2: I mean, you kind of hated Kyle Horton. Didn't I, did I miss. I didn't like Horton
1: because, you know, he went to Denver, he threw the ball a little bit but and had some 300-yard games. But with the Bears, so he'd be like, oh, I see what you're getting at because he had games like Fields now. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I've seen Fields throw the ball deep a lot from his college just highlights. Oh, yeah. He's capable. I thought KO wasn't. Mm-hmm. I just thought this guy's got a weak ass arm,
2: you know. You're absolutely right. And the thing that bothered me about Orton, although I thought he would eventually develop into a, uh, a an acceptable quarterback, because I mean he was winning games and and by managing a game. But what bothered me is that he didn't seem interested at all in improving his passing those first couple of years with the Chicago Bears. He was just happy for the opportunity to play and happy to hand off the ball, the ball, but he just didn't have that. You know, Michael Jordan is my idol when it comes to having a will to win. I mean, he was psychotic when it came to that. I think every athlete has to have a bit of that and you've got to really want to be the absolute best quarterback and passing the ball. If you're going to be one of the great ones. Oh, somebody ordered a uh, blow job. <laughs> so- 69mega.com. I wonder oh, if they're
1: really be Put in or Putin. <laughs> Jesus. There, there's a there's a story with Putin and some girls and the former pre- we, we won't go there. But he
6: <laughs> stuff.
2: Oh, I heard about that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Um Johnny Santucci, are you ready to come in and talk to us? <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Santucci is here for his uh, world-famous, world-famous State of the Bears Affairs. By the way, uh, Tucci, I actually uh, started a new introductory open for you. But I didn't like the way that it turned out. So um, <laughs> that's why I didn't use it here. But, but I know you want to see it. So here it is. <laughs> That'll be the first and only time I'll use it. Uh, that's great.
3: <laughs> that's nice. I like that one. You look like a, you're in Gladiator in that,
2: more so than
1: John or the <laughs> uh, the porn thing. Uh it looks like you're about to fight in Gladiator there.
6: Uh, <laughs> I
2: think there's a uh a uh, a movie with uh what's his name again? Uh, I'm forgetting the real actor's name. Uh Ron <laughs> Jeremy. Ron Jeremy oh, was in a, a gladiator uh uh spoof movie,
1: I think. Was <laughs> he really? I mean, it's, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Uh, thumbs fair. up, thumbs down, that's when you gotta come We're gonna cut
3: <laughs> that's right. Thumbs up, we gotta finish I- I'm afraid to come on here with all the haters out
2: Haters are out <laughs> But you've been getting love I noticed uh people say, where the Alice is Tooch? I only uh, go here to see the Tooch
3: <laughs> I'm here with a little bear's state of affairs We had week two, ayahuasca nightmare uh, Week three, panic at the shit show
2: good job (laughs) good job
3: (laughs) oh you know bears fans it's fitting that the bears wore their 1936 throwback jerseys their offense is reminiscent of the offenses of 1936 three games and 55 pass attempts 104 rushes in the modern nfl passing era the bears have decided to go run heavy We are trendsetters, folks. But you know what? It's business as usual. The Bears can run the ball effectively and play good defense, and only rarely are we able to pass the ball well. This is the way it's always been. But you know, it feels so much like a curse that the next time I'm at Soldier Field, I might start looking for a billy goat. And it's the same as always. Unhappy Bears fans in panic. The field's haters are out in full force. The sense of dread is palpable. I get it. Bench Fields? Hell, Bears fans want to sell Justin Fields at a discount price like Marshall Fields. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, <laughs> the, way, the way Bears fans are panicking, you'd think we lost. Well, we haven't. In fact, we are 2-1 and one after three games. It wasn't all bad news, though. Roquan was doing Roquan things in a good way. 16 tackles and a game-sealing interception. Khalil Herbert. 154 yards rushing and a touchdown. I get the panic, but this is a young team, a work in progress. And like it or not, it's a rebuilding year. And the Bears are very likely rebuilding Fields after the last guy broke him. (laughs) We got the Giants next. And Fields is going up against a guy named after a game show host. And that is the Bears state of affairs. (laughs) You know what's so (laughs) ironic?
1: Uh, Nicely done, really nicely done, Tooch. What's so ironic, if you recall that weird game in uh, 19 where Roquan didn't play, there was a rumor it was because he didn't like these uniforms in conjunction with that African-American players couldn't play for the Bears in 1936. That was one of the rumors, the reason he missed the game. And then again, ironically, in 2022, he has his best game as a Bear in that
2: terrible uniform. Wow. Which was at well, Caligula. Uh, <laughs> I'm stunned by this comment. That's why I had no reaction to that. Oh, that
3: movie sounds like it would have been fun. I could use a little orgy.
2: Action. Did you ever? Did you guys ever see that movie? I
3: did. I own it.
1: You own it.
2: Yeah, I've got Caligula
3: on the, the DVD. Yeah, was that yeah. P- Penthouse production? I think
2: a Penthouse production. I was actually doing a job in uh, Georgetown um, and had about six hours to kill. So I said, I'm going to go see a movie, opened up the newspaper, and Caligula's playing down the street. Guess what I'm going to be in about 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but after 10 minutes of being there, you finished and just went home, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get through the opening credits. <laughs> the there preview some, was good enough for me.
1: <laughs> there, yeah, there was some some good natural bush in there.
2: Uh, man, you are a bush
1: lover, aren't you? i are not talking about George Bush. I was gonna say, I like the Bushes fine, but not like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Johnny Santucci, I wanted to um, ask you about yeah. um, what is going on in the world of television that you and Dan can talk about so that I can run, or yeah. if you got more, because I, I, I gotta go take a leak. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I did. I, I, you know, I saw a movie that probably only Aldo has seen, so when you come back, I'll reveal. Okay. that movie but i don't okay. i don't I, I i guarantee there's a 99% chance that Dan Aguirre has not seen this movie. Uh-oh. And uh okay so i'm going to guess Dan Aguirre you have seen the movie Deliverance.
1: Yes, i did.
3: There was another not movie, of,
1: not a fan of it but yeah i saw it.
3: There was another movie called Rituals which was a lot like Deliverance around the same time. Maybe like 4 years later after the Deliverance film. But uh, watch that one, Reese. I had never heard of it, man. But uh, I wonder if Aldo has seen it. I think it was like 1977, and it's basically the same kind of deliverance thing. You know, guys go on a trip into the you know wilderness somewhere south and are attacked by inbreds. So <laughs> Ned Beatty's <that's... laughs>
1: fucked with his tidy whitey. <laughs> no, it
3: was uh, Hal Holbrook was the star of this one.
1: Oh, was he the, the rapist early. or the guy raped?
3: he was uh nobody gets nobody actually gets raped in this one but you
1: know, i like hal holbrook uh, he yeah. was uh in all the president's men uh yeah magnum force with eastwood he was good in that and uh creep show a, a horror movie for me yes. that i liked.
3: yeah with the, the thing in the box the yeah Creepshow. that was a good movie that was a great that was scary as hell
1: you know something that i didn't know that uh the girlfriend uh jenny recently showed me or not the movie but just the the trailer there was a sequel to the Rocky Horror Pictures show. It didn't have Tim Curry in it, but there's a huh. sequel. I,
3: I I remember that.
1: I didn't, I had never even heard of it, never seen it. It's from like 81 or something, the sequel.
3: Yeah, Mo, Mo Beerman might be the only person that's seen. I'll bet you Aldo has seen it though. I'm gonna if I had to if I had to guess, I would say Aldo has seen it.
1: You know, uh, wasn't Angelina Jolie's dad in that too. In uh in
3: deliverance, yeah. It was uh, I'm not a John fan Voight. of John
1: Voight, uh his acting. I, I don't I don't like John Voight for some reason. I, I was, like John
3: Boyd. Was uh uh Joe, what was his name? Joe <laughs> <sighs> I forgot was in, uh, I know, uh, Midnight, Midnight Cowboy.
1: I didn't oh, wow. I've got that on the TiVo. I didn't see it, but yeah, uh absolutely. he was wanting to know, Aldo, if you saw the sequel to Deliverance or a movie that was kind yeah. of a rip of deliverance called Ritual.
3: Yeah. Rituals with oh. Hal Holbrook no <laughs> no wow okay i'd never heard of it although and i'm like i watched it was actually pretty good man it's like uh five doctors they kind of they meet every year to go on these like wilderness hunting fishing trips mm-hmm. they go on this one they get into a little bit of trouble it's kind of deliverance-esque but yeah you should look it up it's on hulu right now i think or stars maybe one of the one of the channels i have in hulu i think it's stars
2: I have yeah. not seen that. Um, Rituals,
3: 1977. So Aldo would have been about 18 years old.
2: Yeah, that's the time when I was at spending uh, four, a lot. 14 more time years maybe. old,
3: maybe For 13 years. No,
2: 78,
3: 77,
2: 77. I was uh,
3: 19 years old. 19. So you might have seen this one.
2: Yeah, I was getting a lot of tales. Yeah, back. the
3: starred Hal Holbrook. Al Holbrook. Yeah, he was like young and handsome. Which is unbelievable because
2: Al Holbrook was never handsome. He was never
3: handsome
6: after
2: (laughs) that. (laughs) John Voight, uh, the first time I ever saw John Voight was in a movie named uh, *Conrack*, where he played a schoolteacher for uh, at at a island just off the coast of South Carolina, and uh, it was a poor school all african-american students and he was a fantastic school teacher who would go against the school superintendent by going off the lesson he would you know do all sorts of cool things with these kids and stuff and so uh i don't want to give away the ending but that that's the conflict in the movie and his relationship with the with the kids was really touching i thought it was a great uh opening movie to his career at least that was the first one then that's followed by Midnight Cowboy, which I think is one of the 60s, 70s best movies of all time. It was groundbreaking. It was, I think, the first Hollywood feature that was rated X. Dustin Hoffman is in that, and uh, Harry Nilsson's uh, soundtrack. Sorry to watch that, then. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You need to watch that. Toot, you ever seen Midnight Cowboy? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Isn't it great?
3: Yeah, it's a great movie.
2: Man, it is really, really good. Yeah. And so uh, there's a couple of scenes that, maybe have not aged as well, like the LSD scene and stuff. But check it out. It's got the famous, uh, I'm walking here, and uh, Dustin Hoffman as Rizzo, Ratzo Rizzo. Ratzo. Uh, Yeah, great stuff. Great, great stuff. And Uh, I thought
3: John Voigt's character was Joe Buck or something. Joe Buck? Yeah. I Joe think Buck. I think well, I know I, Joe Buck, the announcer later, but his I think his name was Joe Buck. That that's movie.
2: right. Yeah, and then he comes to New York City from Texas or wherever from down south, and yeah. he, he wants to become a male hustler, an, Amer- an American jiggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's picking up all these women, and and they're all asking him for money. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you loan me twenty dollars for a cab? <laughs> and so things don't go well for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was trying I to watch a John Voight movie. From the early seventies, and see if you had seen it. Uh, I I think it was his acting that made me turn it off. I I just I don't know why. I'm just not a fan of this guy. I like his daughter. You don't like his politics is probably what it is, yeah, right? I swear it has nothing to do with his politics. I promise you. <laughs> uh, like you know, hell, Clint Eastwood's a, a Republican, right? Remember? Uh, but like we just mentioned, how Holbrook was in Magnum Force, the Dirty Harry film. I thought that was fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was.
1: The The John Voight movie I was talking about that I thought it seemed like I would like is called Mm -hmm. The Odessa File.
2: Oh, man. I know I've seen that, but I really can't recall it.
1: It's about a reporter. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. A reporter's uh, investigation of a neo-Nazi political industrial network Mm -hmm. in post-World War II West Germany. So again, ooh, that sounds good, but man, like I got through like 30 minutes of it uh two different times and just kept falling asleep because I couldn't get behind John Voight's character.
2: <laughs> Do you ever fall asleep at a movie like over and over again? And after like 10 times you finally see the whole thing?
3: That's what a that lot means, lately, man. <laughs> lately for me too, although I'm like, where was I? I'm like, I'm about to fall asleep. I'm at one hour, 17 minutes. <laughs> gonna, I can start it there the next time and fall asleep again. Oh, that's
2: right. Yeah, Ritual's right here. Uh, to just yeah. set
3: that. Never heard of it. I never heard of it either. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I have to watch it now. It's like mm-hmm. I was nine years old. You know, It's like the same year Star Wars came out.
2: You know, I got this uh, these channels called Screenplex on my cable system, and they have unedited commercial free films. But I think they got a catalog of only about fifty movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same fucking movies. like every like uh, they'll have a movie on Tuesday, and then three Tuesdays from now, they'll they'll have the same exact lineup as this Tuesday. But in any case uh, They come up with some really cool Features from the 70s and 80s Those type of films you see at a grindhouse Like Penitentiary Penitentiary 2 I know we've talked about that because Jane Jane Kennedy Kennedy. Exactly, She was in those movies with with her husband Isaac Kennedy Um, And they've got some really great Sleazy, you know, women In caged prisons kind of movies And uh I fall asleep with you guys on. Glad I can watch it later.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here. We're here for you, Foster. That's right.
2: <laughs> we, we used to be known as a stimulant. Now we are a depressed. Depress. <laughs> uh, uh, by I, the way, uh I, mean, Tuch, I know this is your, yeah. your segment here, but I got to ask Dan, how was that uh Nine Inch Nails concert? And with Tuch, have had a good time. Oh yeah, yeah, I think uh,
1: so. I'm Trent Reznor. Yeah, they uh, they brought out an enormous amount of former members mm-hmm. that hadn't been with the band in like 30 years. Like, uh, Here goes your fun fact, Aldo. You remember Terminator 2? You love Terminator 2, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Patrick played the T-1000. His yeah. brother was in Nine Inch Nails. His brother was Richard Patrick. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and know he that. ended up getting mad at Trent Reznor in the early 90s and forming his own band, Filter. Uh, and oh, yeah. So he and Trent had been pissed for 30 years but just because Trent got into rock and roll of fame they mend fences and they brought Richard Patrick out and he sung his most famous filter song. Uh it was it was fantastic. It was an event man and uh there were like cameras everywhere. You know like uh professional men with uh with uh like handhelds on everybody's face like two cameras in everybody's face and everyone's ignoring it somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up on blu-ray because again it was a he grew up in cleveland he's in the rock and roll of fame they did a big q a on friday saturday they did this concert it was like two hours uh playing a bunch of songs they normally don't do anymore and uh old members on stage it, it was a fantastic uh, moment man it was yeah it was it was a great night
2: so are they gonna have basically the same show here in chicago when you're in town
1: No, that's not Nine Inch Nails. In fact, Trent Reznor said that this might be the end of it. He said it's probably done. That that may have been their last show ever. The one we're going to is the Smashing Pumpkins, and Billy Corgan is a Bears fan and from Chicago.
2: But I thought Nine Inch Nails was opening for for Smashing Pumpkins. No, no, Addiction. Oh, my bad, my bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, Trent and Billy Corgan do not like each other. So uh
2: that right. I, I don't
1: think either one would open for the other one at this point. Mm.
2: Now somebody uh just said, Ravi, the Terminator one has aged really well, and I have to admit that despite yes. the uh, kind of clunky uh, stop motion animation of the Terminator creature after his skin has been ripped away, you know, that that's that looks a little dated, mm-hmm. but outside of that it was on just the other day I, I caught back the last 45 minutes of it i thought it was fucking fantastic and linda hamilton to me is so goddamn sexy and in that movie we we get to uh, i'm i'm going to sound like uh, mr skin here but for about uh, 3 seconds and uh, 45 frames or whatever we get to see her titties <laughs> and, and when she's making out with um or having sex uh, yeah, it's Kyle Reese and, and having the uh the Terminator baby or Edward Furlong. So uh an excellent, excellent movie. And St. Omni is so right. Siskel and Ebert hated the Terminator, mm-hmm. which uh is which is why then neither one of them are alive
6: now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Terminator, it's hard for me to because Terminator 2 was completely different. Mm-hmm. It's more of an action film and it was you know so expensive at the time it was made. It was like $84 million in 91, you know, Right. but the Terminator low budget as hell. They film all the scenes at night, essentially. And it's so fucking gritty. And it's like a horror movie in a lot of ways, more so than an action or sci-fi it just has a sci-fi backstory, but they're both completely different films. It's hard for me to pick one over the other. They're both great. And I love seeing Arnold is the bad guy. Aldo, you may not know this. Uh, this is absolutely a fact. Initially, Ah, uh, James Cameron wanted Arnold to play Kyle Reese. Do you know who he had cast for the Terminator first before Arnold said, "No, no, no, I see myself as the Terminator," Ooh. and I'm not making this shit up. It would have been, it would have been in pop culture forever. Once you'll know when I tell you. Oh, you Jay. Simpson. OJ fucking Simpson was supposed wow. to be the Terminator and Arnold was going to be the good guy. Could you imagine? They would have been like, the Terminator has killed Nicole! The Terminator <laughs> killed Ron Goldman, you know? <laughs> <laughs> said, They've been terminated!
2: <laughs> <laughs> it would have killed the franchise. I don't think there would have been a Terminator 2, 3, 4, Maybe 5, that's 6, good
6: then. <laughs> no, <that's- laughs>
2: <laughs> that is wild man i had forgot about that and then it just popped into my head and then a nanosecond later saint omni pu- puts it up on there oj saint omni knows his uh his uh, uh movie history and stuff he's proving to me and of course retro does as well To uh what else have you uh seen not seen uh yeah. what, do you, what do you got for us
3: i got one for you uh but first i want to say a terminator has a very special place in my heart because uh, I think it was 1983 and I was 15 years old. And uh, there was this one girl. Uh, she was an upper class I don't know, was junior or senior and uh, took a shine to me, taught me the ropes. Those are the first pair of titties I ever touched right after the Terminator movie. Right after we
2: saw Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nice. He saw
3: yeah, Linda Hamiltons, so and then he saw the girls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw the goods. But uh, do, you, do you know who uh, Allison Janney is? Oh yeah,
2: uh, West Wing. Sure, absolutely great actor. Right.
3: Well, uh, I saw a movie <laughs> you know? on Netflix called Lou, where she plays an action hero. Believe it or not, she's like Alex a badass. Ass, yes, an ass kicker. You have to watch it.
2: Now, is it a new movie or is <laughs> yeah, it an old? Brand one? new. So she's got to yep, be in. shit old by now. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> old.
3: <laughs> it's good, man. It's and it has a, a, a journey Smollett. As the other lead in that one that uh, was in
1: that show on HBO.
3: Uh yes, the uh uh uh, what was that one called? The Lovecraft Country.
1: She's so fucking hot, yeah. So damn,
3: she's definitely check it out. The uh it's got it's got a bunch of twists at the end and stuff. It was good, man. And
1: whatever happened with the thing with her brother, it's like they sent him into jail and he's like, I'm afraid. So they let him go home, and (laughs) then what happened? I don't know. Wasn't he convicted of making all that shit up? In Chicago, who's oh
2: uh, Jesse Smollett? Jesse yeah.
1: Smollett, yeah. The, we the, were the talking host. about his sister being hot as fuck, man.
3: His
2: sisters I very hot. related. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, My
3: God.
2: yeah, He was he was found guilty, Um and uh, he's appealing, so uh that's going to continue. So it, who knows? Who cares? One hey, more
6: Terminator
1: I, question for you, all, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Did you all see that last one from '19 where Linda Hamilton came back? I thought it was immensely disappointing.
2: Yeah, I was I was disappointed when I read the reviews. I have not seen it. Uh, The reason I was I had high expectations is because she they lured her away. She said because of the script. Based on the reviews that I read, it seems like it was not the script but the dollars that that lured her back in front of the camera. But I heard she She looked great.
1: She was fucking James Cameron at the time, and when they broke up, that's why she wasn't in, you know, any of the Terminators, I think. But, yeah, the last one, it looked like there's a point in time where, like, you reference the Terminator. Oh, well, he looks so fake when he's out with that, when Arnold Skin's off at the end of one. But, man, if you go and watch the current films, there's too much CGI at times. You're absolutely and- right. When Robert Patrick and Arnold are fighting in T2, it looks real. And that's not CGI in the way of current day film. Mm-hmm. And the current CGI with Arnold and whomever else he's fighting in the, the last Terminator, they, they, it looks like a video game. It looks like a fucking fast video game, and you can't even see it so fast. Mm-hmm. So I, I just can't dig it, man. I, I thought it sucked, and I wanted to like it. Now, mm-hmm. the one in 15, I kind of liked where they made John Connor the bad guy. Did you see that one? No. Oh. Yeah, the machine, uh, whatever, Skynet or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, they may have had another machine within the context of that film. It corrupts John Connor, and John Connor is the bad guy.
2: Mm. See, I, I don't know, man. I, the, I, I saw this first one. John Connor died. And right... No, no, that was... Reese was... uh yeah, yeah. Got
1: God, Edward Furlong's character.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. So now I'm confused. That's but when Arnold
1: was trying to kill her, like Sarah Connor, you know. He's like, that's a terrible yeah, yeah. He's He's trying to find John's mom, you know, the Terminator.
2: I love that movie, man. Yeah, that's yeah. So well fucking done. Great. James Cameron now is re-releasing Avatar. Why? Uh, because that's the great. new Avatar, Avatar 2 will be released this Christmas, so the old one is in theaters, I think now, or starting. Yeah, to I
1: saw a trailer for it, I was like, back in theaters, and I thought, why?
2: Yeah, I, well, what'd you guys think of, uh, I'll start with Tooch, what'd you think of Cameron's first Aviator, not Aviator, Avatar movie?
3: I loved it, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Really enjoyed it. Loved uh, 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 all the special effects, and the concept, and the planet, and the All that stuff. Yeah, I liked it.
2: What about you, uh, Dan? Never
3: watched it. Are you serious? It did not appeal to me. Again,
1: it just looks like one of those bullshit fantasy films, you know, like, oh, I'm going to beat off because I love comic books. Oh, God. hard.
2: Didn't feel like a comic book movie.
1: DC Comics made Avatar, I bet, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I <got> agree <laughs> with Foster, uh that Avatar was awesome in yes. IMAX. When I saw it's it gorgeous and, to look at. Yep. The 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 film is 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 indeed a gorgeous film. It is groundbreaking, as yeah. Tooch said. The story, however, is not groundbreaking at all. It is in fact it was criticized because it was basically the Disney Pocahontas movie. Uh, it was basically that script. I mean, I have seen articles where like page after page is almost the same page numbers and the dialogue is similar and the plot structure is so similar and stuff. And so Cameron got a lot of shit for that. Um, so hopefully this new movie, the 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 next Avatar movie doesn't have that problem in it. And it's got a more clever script and more original script if that's possible nowadays.
3: I don't think it deserves that much of that kind of criticism it was anti-colonial you know an anti-corporate
2: mm-hmm.
6: you
3: know like giovanni Rabisi played the like slimy corporate uh uh
2: good casting yeah
3: yeah the perfect casting the guy who would like you know set the army out to drive out the little the indians the locals you know the natives mm-hmm. right. whatever, drive them out indigenous so people make, yeah the indigenous people so they could mine and make uh money you know all for the company profits Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's a, that's a message that still resonates today. You know?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there are certain stories that you can tell over and over again, as long as you've got good acting and good directing, uh, th- that still, you know, are, are necessary for society to experience those storylines, you know, when they got good moral stories like that, I, I- I'm all for them. But it was it was criticized now that didn't matter at the box office I think avatar still remains the number one box office champ of all time so uh they don't need your fucking money Dan Aguire
3: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to uh, there's a, a
1: lot, lot of hopefully. vitriol coming my way tonight
2: <laughs> <laughs> there is what's going on here ultimately
3: uh our, our listeners in Florida are well tonight on the Gulf side.
2: Yes, yeah, Cliff out and <laughs> Anthony. Uh,
3: Anthony had to evacuate today. Did so he boarded he? up his house and uh, uh, he says he's doing all right though, but he yeah. it was forced to evacuate his house. Well, that's fucking terrible.
2: Yeah, Cliff Victoria, I know, is on uh, standby watching uh, Alyssa Barbieri from the Buffon Fifty Five show. She's already told us she won't be able to make it tomorrow because she's expecting to get hit pretty hard. So uh, everyone, not just, you know, barroom followers and stuff, everyone down in Florida, please do the right thing. Do what your government officials uh, are urging you to do. You pay a lot of tax money. You need to trust them. Trust the National Weather Service. If they're saying get the fuck out of there, get the fuck out of there. And if they're wrong, then they're wrong. But at least uh, you're doing the right thing, which is uh, complying and not making it harder on uh, our, our first responders and stuff like that. So take care of yourselves and your family. I appreciate, Tooch, you bringing that up, because I, I wanted to talk about that as well. Um, All right, Tooch, what else you got for us, brother?
3: Uh, I mentioned that Elvis movie, right, last week. I think you guys should both check Yeah, that out. was a good movie. That good was movie. great.
2: Loved it. I, uh, yeah, okay. Excellent.
3: I didn't have
1: any expectations for it, good or bad, but it was very good. It was a very good film.
2: Now, Dan, you saw that at the insistence of your friend because that doesn't seem to me like a movie you would have had queued up on your... uh... Uh,
1: It was because it was on HBO Max. We were at work. I watched it at work, so it took like eight hours because we had to keep pausing it when shit got busy. You know, like, oh there's something going on. But uh, it was just on the. You know, it was still in the theater, but HBO Max had it on after a certain amount of weeks. And just because it was there and it was like, what else were we watching old fucking music videos? Uh, cause we, we had like on MTV classic or something. And I was like, well, fuck it. Let's try this Elvis movie. And and the lady I work with Robin was like, yeah, let's try it. You know? And so um, we both liked it. So we watched it just because, you know, just cause it was on there. I wouldn't have sought it out. You know, it's not like I was going to pay for it, but it was on HBO max and it's certainly worthy of your money. Yeah. But I didn't know
3: that initially. You know, yeah. So it, it was very good. It beyond my expectations. That no. kid was really good. Although that uh, played Elvis uh, Austin Butler, he'll be in the in the next Dune Part Two movie.
1: Again, Ooh. he was in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in
3: Hollywood as well. Yes, he was. He was Tex uh, Watson, yep. right? Or
2: yes, that's correct.
3: Uh, right. I forgot that, Danny.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they're playing a little game in the chat room here. Um, we've been invited to play along as well. Now, name some of your favorite war movies, A your best war oh, movie.
6: Yeah. Uh,
1: wow. Excellent. Can
2: anyone think of one immediately? Because I have oh, one yeah. immediately.
1: I've got one scene that really bothers me. Which uh, is? Uh, Casualties of War. Oh. Sean Penn and uh, Michael yeah, Fox, and they make the girl walk across like the trestle, and then yeah. and, you know what they do to her after they've been raping her anyway and just fucking murder her. yeah, uh, that, one, yeah that one stands out to me cuz just like a scene that that just really uh, viscerally makes me not want to watch yeah but it's a good film
2: i saw an interview with brian de palma and he said the the meaning of that scene was to make you feel the ugliness of war and how sure. people react during war and so forth and that 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 was their metaphorical way of getting that ac- across well that's what
1: john Kerry was talking about it you know like things that really happen mm-hmm. yeah uh, during the 04 campaign so yeah uh, it, it was tough but what, what did you have
3: there's another movie that's has a scene like that that kind of hit me like the same the same way as uh as that one danny it's uh it's with that uh ty sheridan kid from ready player one uh it's called the yellow birds i think have you see seen Have you seen that one? And uh, I not. there's two soldiers. Uh, one is uh, the, kid, the guy who played Han Solo in the Han Solo uh, movie, and the other one is the kid from Ready Player One. And they're they're in uh, I think it's Afghanistan, you know. And like one kid, he's a little older, and the and the Ty Sheridan's a little younger, and he kind of like watches after him and stuff. And you know, uh, the war gets to him, and he gets you know too emotionally, kind of zones out, and he wanders away, and leaves his his equipment and uh, they find him uh, the next day he has been like naked and raped and his genitals cut off and stuff by, you know, uh, whatever the Al Qaeda or whatever it was and stuff. But that was, that was, they, they, they had covered it up. The army had covered up what had actually happened to him. Mm -hmm. And his mom was played by uh, Jennifer Aniston, I think, who just like drove and wanted to uncover like what happened to her son and uh uh, she uh like forces the truth to come out this the kid who was his friend over there you know who kind of didn't lost track of him you know and he ended up dead but you know he was told not to say anything by the army you know but what actually happened Mm -hmm. but uh that was uh kind of reminded me of the casualties of war but if we're talking the war movie man i gotta go with full metal jacket man there's nothing like
1: really see i thought the second half of the film kind of lagged after the suicide yeah. From Vincent, I can not remember how to say his last Vincent name. Vincent but. but Can I give you one more? Uh yeah. one that again has a deep, 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 like negative impact on me. It was a good film, but it's like it was too close to home. It's not so much a war movie as the war is the backstory. It's from like oh nine, it's called Brothers with Jake Gyllenhaal and Toby Maguire. And Toby Maguire's character was missing in action, I think. And Jake is helping out his wife and kids. And Toby comes back, and he, he's, he's obviously got PTSD, shell-shocked. And he keeps uh, just having these visions of his brother fucking his wife and all this stuff. And there's this big scene at the end where his brother had helped his, his wife redo her kitchen and remodel everything. And he just has this emotional breakdown and just tears up the house and everything and is about to kill everyone and himself and that's a lot of kind of shit that I saw as a kid with my dad just that Mm -hmm. whole scene felt like me at seven watching it And again that's not my story is not unique or independent there's a lot of people that saw that so I'm not trying to make it about me but I'm just explaining why the movie it makes me cry when I see that scene because it's just like it's so like reminds me of where I was as a kid watching shit like that. But it's an excellent film though. And and, and they give him a, an out like he gets help at the end. You know, it's supposed to be that he puts the gun down. He doesn't kill himself. He goes to the VA, he gets well. So
2: I've never seen that. I'll have to check that out. Um, the movie that always comes to mind first and foremost, and uh, Sully mentioned it just now in the chat room is Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. I as a teenager i was looking forward to this moves, movie so much i had was a francis ford coppola fan uh, based on the godfathers and he um and i was just starting to take filmmaking classes at our, at our high school and so i was doing a lot of reading and and so much anticipation for this film and it did not let me down um for those who don't know the story Martin Sheen plays Captain Willard who has been ordered by military intelligence to go down river and find Colonel Kurtz who is played by uh, Marlon Brando. And Kurtz has just gone fucking crazy. He is killing everyone, just violating all of the war criminal uh, laws uh, uh, imaginable. And so he is being ushered downriver by a, has uh, he called it, a, a, a Navy plastic boat uh, with four or five guys on board. And then there's this famous scene that's much similar to, I think, some of the scenes that you guys have described in your favorite war movies where it's just this intensity where innocent people are being harmed. Uh, I'll, I'll play the the video as I'm talking through it. I'm not going to put the sound up because we usually get uh, – uh, flagged by YouTube, but I'll play some of the video. the The boat sees this uh, uh, Vietnamese sampan, and they stop it to investigate it. The chief on the boat tells uh, Martin, the Martin Sheen character, "These are my orders. I have to stop and check all of these boats." So uh, don't, you know, don't tell me we can't stop. I'm I'm the chief of this boat. And so they're looking at orders. All of these young soldiers, you know, one of them is played by Lawrence Fishburne, the African-American there, who was 17 years old when this film was, when this movie was done. And he is nervously watching. Um, and so they, they go on boat and start to look around. Uh, I'll just kind of go forward here a, a little bit. They go on boat uh, and and so to to try to find, you know, if they're uh, if they're hiding anything. And then all of a sudden something terrible happens. This woman goes to uh, stop the search and the Lawrence Fishburne character and the other characters just open fire and kill everyone on this fucking boat. And then one of the characters after the shooting is done goes over to see what it was that she was looking for, and it was a fucking puppy. And just recalling this, man, the hairs on my arms are standing up. And uh, as a kicker to it, the Martin Sheen character, who just wants to get downriver and, and do his mission against Colonel Kurtz, the, the captain of the boat says, one of the women is, is, who has been shot is still alive. We have to take her to the hospital. And the Martin Sheen character comes over and says, we're not taking her to the hospital. You see him with the gun there, holds it, and he shoots her. And everyone on the boat is, wow, this motherfucker is cold-blooded. And the Martin Sheen character then starts to see that he has turned into the Colonel Kurtz character. He, like Colonel Kurtz is saying in letters that he wrote to his son, you just have to fucking be cold-blooded in war. You cannot fucking put a Band-Aid when you have fucking fired off the arm of a kid when you're in battle, you've just got to go all out and win the fucking war. And Sheen, as he's been reading these letters going down uh, down the river, he starts to believe that. And that's why he blasts that woman away. And it's just so fucking heavy, man. I highly, highly recommend A Great yeah. yeah,
1: soundtrack to yeah. play The Doors throughout the film. Yeah.
2: The doors, uh the original music was done by Coppola's father. There's some really good synthesizer stuff. The cinematography is excellent. And of course, I think on this show before, uh, we talked about the Dennis Hopper character who was so fucked up on drugs. Really, while he was filming playing a guy who was fucked up on drugs, uh, it's just great performances and 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 I uh, again, man, I can't say enough about it's,
1: it's definitely a good film. I want to add one more, and I gotta go to work, unfortunately. The Killing Fields. Oh yes, Sam
2: Waterston is in there.
1: Yeah, where he goes back, it's about uh, how everyone's leaving Cambodia mm-hmm. from perspective in '75, and his friend, the journalist, uh, gets forced in, into one of those reeducation camps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they get him back to America, and the the actor that played him is dead now. Not Sam Waterston, but the gentleman he won an Academy yeah, Award for yeah. Best Supporting Actor.
2: Yeah, I saw that he died maybe not too long ago, a year or so.
1: Yeah, it was something like that. It was a, it, it's a, again, it's a tough watch, man. Yeah. But it it's is. a great film, and Sam Waterston is amazing in it. He truly is. Yeah,
2: a great actor all around. I, he ruined his career with Law and Order being in that for so <laughs> fucking long, but it paid the
1: most profitable shit that he did, though. Yeah.
2: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Dan Aguire, go save some lives, man.
1: Well, unfortunately, like I said, I apologize. I can't be here next week to, the, to that one gentleman. Mm-hmm. That's good news, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, next week I'll be at a concert for uh, Bush and Allison Chains, ah, and I get to meet Gavin that night. I've got VIP pass. Nice. Pal. So, yeah, Ooh, I, unfortunately, I can't be here next week, and I apologize to you all for that.
2: Uh, take your phone backstage and ask Gavin to do a promo for the Dan and all the. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I mean,
2: so just, just let him grab your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure he'll do whatever you say. Then <laughs> Dan, right. you're the absolute best. Get out of here, man.
1: All right. I'll in two weeks again, unless uh, you're on the the other Dan show on Monday, if you're gonna ever do that again aldo
2: oh yeah i'll be there absolutely
1: so i may see you next week but uh, otherwise i'll see you on two weeks then sorry about uh missing the show really i hate missing it i really I'll, really hate missing it
2: i'll see you monday
1: okay you all be well bye
3: john all uh, right danny have a good one too
2: Paris country podcast that, immediately standard. inviting you to teach and uh, me, uh, to that show yay all you gotta do is shorty and doing.
3: cliff yeah sounds like fun yeah
2: indeed um all right but any other war movies that you want to mention because i I, that was a great topic that was brought up by One of the barflies uh any other yeah go ahead
3: loves of course love saving private ryan thought was really Mm -hmm. well done of course it's spielberg you know Mm -hmm. very well done uh black hawk down oh yeah great flick Mm -hmm. you can watch that one over and over again you know that has a cast i mean there's like the cast in that one is amazing you know everybody in it is kind of at least a uh you know a semi star you know from mm-hmm. you know and a lot of them were like in of course dan aguire would would know this but a lot of them were in like fantasy and sci-fi films you know, like jason Isaacs was in harry potter orlando bloom was in lord of the rings oh yeah and uh, eric banna played the hulk mm-hmm. uh, fucking uh, there's so many more man i can't <laughs> I mean, well. Everybody's in it man. You and McGregor was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh <laughs> freaking. I mean it's it's got a huge cast uh if you uh if you haven't seen it definitely check out Black Hawk Down man. It's,
2: I will definitely check that out. Yeah, um,
3: Ridley Scott.
2: The um um who was it? St. Omni uh, brought up uh, what movie did he just bring up? 1917. I have not seen that yet.
3: Uh I don't Think I have seen that either.
2: Wasn't that won the Academy Award like four years ago? Yeah, recently, a couple, two three
3: years ago, three, four years ago.
2: Yeah, I need to see that. I actually I have get confuse
3: it confused with like that in Dunkirk, like.
2: Yeah, so I've yeah. not seen them. Like, Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I might have
3: seen them.
6: Yeah,
2: I desperately want to see both of those because they've been so so praised. But I, I excuse me, I uh, I've been waiting for the right moment, you know, when I can really you know, turn up the speakers and blast, you know, and have that yeah. sensation. So it's like, I'm not going to see it in the theater, but I want to <laughs> take advantage of my sound system. And- I, I
3: got one more too, which I got to, I got to, it, it, it is a war movie, but it's not like, it's, it's science fiction. It's okay. called Starship Troopers, you know? Oh yeah. Paul, Paul Verhoeven <laughs> movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's okay. freaking killer. It's like a comic book come to life. It's like, so campy.
2: Love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. Fucking love that yeah, movie. that's a classic. <laughs> yeah, that's a great shower scene, too. Uh,
3: <laughs> the man and, yeah, the man and the women showered together in that one. That's
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one. Um, this is the movie that I saw probably when I was 10 or 11 years old, WGN, on a Saturday night. I'm at home by myself, and I watched this movie, and I started to feel like, I think I'd like to to do this. I'd like to shoot movies. I'd like to m- tell stories and stuff. It is a 1958-59 movie named Paths of Glory, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Kirk Douglas. It is a, a sensational anti-war movie that's based on a true story. And in, in fact, France, because it's based on a, a true battle that happened with the French versus Germany, uh, France outlawed the movie for many, many years because it, it it's the story of how the uh, government there, the military government, uh, basically chose at random three soldiers for cowardice because they were ordered to... Yeah they were ordered on a mission that was just impossible. There's, there's no fucking way they could have fulfilled the, the, the mission, but to show, because a lot of uh, soldiers didn't get out of these trenches that you're seeing up on the screen. Now they didn't even get out during the battle because it was just fruitless. It was futile. Uh, but they went ahead and chose three people to have them executed for cowardice. And, uh, Kirk Douglas believes in these men, and uh, plays Colonel Dax in the story, yeah. and, he, and he represents them in a military tribun- tribunal. It's a really a sensational movie, and just these shots alone, yeah. I love black and white cinematography. I fell in love with Kubrick. this movie. Yeah, Kubrick is genius, a genius. You hit it on the nose, there, brother.
3: You know, I forgot. Uh, I did see another movie. It's with that from Starship Troopers, like the main character who played Johnny Rico.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: He's mm-hmm. in
3: this movie like that just came out. I think it was on Netflix it's called Assailant, and he plays like this psychopath that's like charming and like he, if if you like said something wrong, he'd be like apologize. If you didn't apologize, like people are like you weirdo, get away from me. He's like I told you to apologize, and he like like kills him, like beats the shit out of him, <laughs> and then stalks him and kills him. And mm-hmm. like, there's this British couple who are on vacation uh in the caribbean <laughs> like, you know, he, the husband gets the foul. he's like he wants him to apologize to his wife you know
2: he's mm-hmm.
6: like
3: for whatever dumb shit you know and the guy's mm-hmm. just like he's like a badass like brawler it's <laughs> like follows these people you know and, and stalks them all over the island and shit but that yeah, was the check
2: this out, so, Asal- yeah.
3: assailants it was really assailants. good
2: yeah
3: it's a yeah. b movie but on netflix I think it's on Netflix, yeah.
2: I'll find it. Um, Casper
3: Van Dien is the actor. Who oh, yeah.
2: Somebody Star mentioned him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there he is, Casper Van Dien. Um,
6: uh,
2: did you see that uh, trending on Twitter today was the uh, a story saying that young people are just – saying this is it netflix gotten too expensive i'm canceling my subscription yeah. i mean we're talking about millions yeah. of subscribers all kind of collectively saying fuck you netflix
3: Yeah, what mike, mike north that? tweeted about this too i think right they, right didn't mike tweet about it it's like if
2: i did book. i did i said you know you can't netflix and chill if, right yeah you did you yeah sorry you're worried about the bill <laughs>
3: yeah yeah we're <laughs> back we're back into like uh where we tried to like cut the cord from satellite and cable. Mm-hmm. you know and now you're like adding up all these like you know it's we're back in the same financial boat paying about oh the my same.
2: God yeah I mean we we've we've been fucking awful in this house we pay the I don't know three hundred dollars a month for Comcast and then now we've got HBO Max we've got Netflix yeah. we got hulu we got peacock yeah. we got fucking. the I'm afraid to look at the yeah, yeah know. exactly it's like what the fuck yeah, each man? one's
3: like 10 15 bucks 20 bucks a month you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: By the way, I agree with St. the okay. House of Cards was a great political uh, TV show, up there with yeah. uh, West Wing and uh, some other shows about politics that I really like. Yeah, all right. You're
3: uh, caught up with ha- uh, House of Dragon, House of the Dragon. I'm
2: not. So now okay. I'm three episodes behind. So oh, last
3: episode, um, it's like t- it's a jump in time where that 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 hot girl isn't in it anymore, which I'm a little disappointed about. She's older and it's a different actress, who's still pretty hot though.
2: I gotta tell you this. I saw a preview of the upcoming episode, and I saw this other actress, and I said to myself, Oh no, they're already at yeah, that stage like, where they yeah. replaced my uh Millie my young beauty.
6: <laughs>
3: yeah. It was so cute. It's like oh unbelievably God. hot.
2: <laughs> uh, hidden gems who yeah. uh chastised uh, me. For- I'm not
3: usually a blonde guy, but Man, I could make some make some changes there. exceptions to there, <laughs>
2: absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so I want to talk a little gambling with you, my friend, because yep. uh, I, I I want to say that you had a good Sunday. Am I right or am I wrong?
3: Um, it was all right. Yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I had the Dolphins uh, plus four and a half, so happy about that. Nice. I had, a, had the Falcons in an upset. Had the Packers in an upset. Mm-hmm uh let's see i had the under in the giant i mean the 49ers game and uh last night had had uh the cowboys and the total i was it like it landed right on 39 so that was a push but uh mm-hmm. had the cowboys i knew the cowboys pass rush would be a little too much for the daniel does that name, dan daniel jones daniel jones i want yep. to say D- danny dimes uh <laughs> I, yeah the cowboys pass rush with parsons and lawrence it's just too much so and and, you know that uh that's a good sign for the bears you know uh there's that rookie tackle um you know who's uh going to be playing uh uh, opposite robert quinn so we have a chance to to get you know uh if we can get a good pass rush you know we could have the same kind of success that uh that the uh cowboys had you know but people are saying well cooper rush sucks you know he did enough to win the game
2: oh my gosh last night I actually heard, uh, and I think it was Jerry Jones that said something that immediately sparked people into thinking and talking about a quarterback controversy in Dallas. You know, the truth of the matter is that since Dak Prescott signed that big contract or look at it another way, since he had that big leg injury, he hasn't been as sensational as he, as he was in the, in the, in the past. So um I definitely don't think Cooper Rush is going to unseat Dak Prescott. There's just no way in my mind. But it's interesting that he's played well enough for some people to to, – in fact, somebody – I forgot who the fuck it was. Uh, I saw this in the chat room during the Gabriel show. Somebody said that they would take Cooper Rush over Justin Fields. you got to be kidding me, right? That that just can't be true.
4: (laughs) I mean – I
2: would because oh, of the potential
3: oh. there is like, you know, but I mean, as a guy who might like play ahead of him, you know, mm-hmm. just for, to hold the seat warm, mm-hmm. maybe, you okay. know, but the, the tension, the, the, uh, the, the, the potential of fields, it's, it's, you know, night and day so yeah, rush, is. rush is just a guy who's going to come in and, and, you know, try to not make a lot of mistakes and he knows, knows uh, defenses can read a defense and, mm-hmm knows the offense you know and fields just isn't there yet you know it's not saying he won't be there you know i still like justin fields i'm not one of the haters just go, oh, he sucks we got to get rid of him now you know what what are we going to do if we get rid of him now trevor simeon
2: That's, exactly exactly there's no option yeah. right now. we've got to see what we got in this quarterback and let's just yeah. be patient and play it out. i'd rather
3: have cooper rush than trevor simeon though
2: i agree with that my friend yeah all right, let me play this game with you. Um panic or don't fucking panic. Are you panicked at all about the lack of accuracy that Justin Fields has shown? In his first three games this season, because I've always said, if you got a quarterback who can't accurately throw the ball, then you got problems. And he's had some accuracy problems. So are you panicking a little bit about that or not panicking?
3: Not panicking. I mean, in, in college, he was a 67% uh, completion percentage uh, thrower.
0: Mm-hmm. So not
3: really. I, I, I think it's uh, unfamiliarity with the system. Coaching, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not forget that they, you know, he's throwing with his left foot forward instead of what he's done most of his life, yep. and
2: uh so the muscle memory is still not there. Yeah, probably, it's yeah. tough.
3: Good you point. know, uh, and then uh you know, it, it's gonna take time. It's, it's not. This is this is a rebuilding year. It's a first first year for coaching staff. It's really his first year as a starter, uh, and you know, I mean, what the Bears should do probably is just simplify the playbook a little bit and get some quick passes you know look at not these like long developing routes and stuff you know let's mm-hmm. let's get especially at the beginning of the game maybe on the first series get some quick slants and hitches and stuff like that some re- designed rollouts where you know he can uh make some plays with his feet you know if he has to there's nobody open you know uh, cut the field in half on some plays where he only has to make a half field read I, mm-hmm. Just stuff like that, you know, Or we can use, uh, set up some screen passes. You know, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. uh, it sucks well, it, with the that,
3: Montgomery injury, though, you know. Uh, okay, whoa, whoa,
2: well, 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 you're jumping ahead here because that was another one that I had. Panic! Or... Don't fucking panic! If Montgomery <laughs> is uh, laid up for quite some time, does yeah. that give you some panic that perhaps maybe the running game will start to wilter because this guy, David Montgomery, is a special player. Yeah. Herbert is proving to be special too. But one of the things that Montgomery does is that he picks up yards after contact yeah. in a very impressive way. Are you a little panicked if Montgomery's injury lasts a while?
3: If it lasts a little while, I'd be a little upset. Luckily, we have Herbert who's definitely more than serviceable. Uh, Montgomery does a lot of things. like He's, he's good in pass protection. Uh, can pick up the blitz, you know, a great receiver, mm-hmm. you know, Herbert just doesn't have the hands that Montgomery has, you know, and he's mm-hmm. talked about his uh, ability to break tackles, and make people miss and stuff. He might not have uh, the same speed as Herbert, but uh, you know, David Montgomery does a lot of little things. I, I don't know the status of his injury right now. So I couldn't say I, I know I had him in fantasy on a couple teams. I got burned.
2: But- How many fantasy teams are I mean, you in this year?
3: I, I'm in four. And I think that that's too many.
2: But yeah. You
3: know, dude. it's like I forgot to set a lineup in one of them. Because I'm so busy on the weekends and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I end up losing that one, but uh
2: Oh, that's too that's, bad. Uh, Adam
3: ranks, Adam ranks league.
2: Oh no, in that league. Oh, that sucks. That's yeah. too bad. All right, yep. got another one for you. Panic <laughs> or don't fucking panic. Early <laughs> in the show, <laughs> early in the show, we saw Justin Fields being clobbered from the up the middle Behind him and in front of him, three guys just submerging on him and almost breaking his back. Are you worried is it time to panic that perhaps this offensive line is not going to help this guy uh last the season?
3: a little bit uh I mean, especially you watched uh justin uh Basin Peters last night. He still looks like he could play pretty well, man mm-hmm. uh he was what is he, he was on the Cowboys, right, or yeah. Yes was on the Cowboys last night filling in mm-hmm. there throwing his weight around and stuff but uh uh I mean look Lucas Patrick uh Sam Mustopher they didn't look good man I'm telling you <laughs> Lucas Patrick had like a 44 grade from PFF it's like Is the that worst, right? the oh, worst offensive God. lineman of the week you know I get it you know he's got the club on and stuff you know but I, I don't think I, I I think he's hurting more than helping mm. I,
2: You know what is interesting, too is a lot of people are saying, you know, can't wait till Patrick is back at center because Mustafa sucks. And I'm thinking to myself, is that really going to be an upgrade? I mean, if this guy's hand is not 100 percent and and, uh, Greg Gabriel keeps telling me I've seen all the tape with Green Bay. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Yeah, he was fine last year. Uh, you know, we st- you still got to prove it now, especially coming off an injury. I'm a little bit worried about the interior, of the Bears offensive line. I'm, I'm worried about the entire offensive line, but yeah, they are run yeah. blocking well.
3: Yep, yeah, they can definitely run the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. The, uh, I mean, I, I I don't I don't think it would have been a bad idea to let Lucas Patrick get fully healthy before he came back. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's just me uh Sam Mustafer, he's weak at the point of attack man he's just i, I watched a, a little bit I, was trying, I saw one play where he got blown up and I'm like I got to watch Mustafurd a little bit more you mm-hmm. know and I'm just like what? the only reason Mustafer's in there is because he's healthy yes He'll, healthier than Lucas
2: yes I think Lucas they like Patrick? his leadership skills too cuz he is a really smart guy uh and they were seriously thinking looking at him at right guard I think this was before You know, Tevin Jenkins showed promise. I don't
3: know know what Owen Crute sees in him. The one play that caught my attention, like he snaps the ball and he stands straight up, and he just got blown up, man. (laughs) To to Mm -hmm. keep his pad levels low, it's like, come on,
2: dude. Great point. You know, stood straight up. I got one more for you. Um, panic
5: or don't fucking panic. (laughs) I like. I like. Don't fucking panic. (laughs) I love that.
2: Um, are you uh, near panic mold if Jalen Johnson, the Bears' number one cornerback, does not return for another few games? Because he was on WSCR Sports Radio. He's got a Monday slot there, and he didn't sound very hopeful that he was going to play Sunday and even didn't sound too help, uh, hopeful that he might be back anytime soon. So, given that Kendall Vildor and other cornerbacks who aren't necessarily uh, inspiring Bears fans that they will be playing in, in place of Jalen, are, are you near panic mode there?
3: That one's a little more concerning for me, although, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason why we don't talk about Jalen Johnson much is because he's doing a great job over there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, nobody's calling him out because he's, he's you know, he's, he's locking down. And uh, uh he's got a quad injury. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be a little harder for him to get back out there within a week. But you know uh, I don't think uh, Kyler Gordon to me isn't a, isn't a nickel slot corner, you know, isn't a slot corner to me. Yeah. I, you know I uh, he, he's longer. I'd rather see him on the outside.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think it should be Johnson and Gordon on the outside. Vilder's mm-hmm. played pretty well out there. He, he's feisty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even think Vildor would make the team but I mean maybe maybe Vildor's better in the, uh, as a slot corner. I mm-hmm. don't know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, maybe he's not quick enough or twitchy enough. But uh, I don't know who else they I admit mean, Gordon is playing there because they don't have anybody else. T- Tavon Young went out for the season. Mm-hmm. That was the guy they had signed to play the slot.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I, I I kind of agree with all your panic-no-panic no panic, uh, responses. We'll, we'll play this again every week, okay? Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I love um, it. All right, before we go, I wanted to talk about uh, sports gambling uh, with you because you yeah. are our resident sports gambler. But before I, I give the stage over to you, I made a bet, and I'm uh, looking it up here just real quick because I felt – oh, fuck, don't do this to me. This passcode is uncor- incorrect. Okay, now I got it. All right. So um let me get to it real quick here. It is um Rams 49ers. Yep. This upcoming week. I bet uh I bet some money on um the wager is the what the hell did I bet here? <laughs> what the hell did I bet? <laughs> I bet the 49ers minus two to beat the Rams at home. I just thought that was very attractive. And I normally don't like to place a bet this far in advance, you know, because you want to make sure yeah. to uh, practice healthy. And I don't food. hate
3: it. I, I think that'll be a great game. It's going to be a tough one. You yeah. know, uh, uh, the uh, The Rams defense does not look good. But- mm mm-hmm opposed to that is the you know, the 49ers offense hasn't looked that good you know 11 right. 11 to 10 game you know that right,
2: yeah I, I think i think Garoppolo will settle in and yeah
3: yeah i uh i kind of like the under in that game you know as the the play i would i would make on that one i don't know what it is probably around 40 or 42 maybe 39 mm-hmm. you know but uh i i hate the uh I, I i think that i think the 49ers have a great chance to win that game you know, uh, Stafford, uh, the guy that worries me is is Cooper Cup. Is that dude's yeah. fucking awesome. Really you know, is. he's one guy that could get touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I wish the Bears had him, man. I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, I, they could have had him in the second round that year. He was a second round draft pick. Mm-hmm. You know?
2: Well, let's do a show coming up, maybe during the bye week, and let's talk about all the guys we could have had.
3: (laughs) That would be great. People would love that.
2: That would be fun. Uh, (laughs) Jesus.
3: Yeah, I I bet a game uh, recently ahead of time. I bet uh, Kansas Wildcats at home plus three and a half versus Iowa State. Kansas has normally been a, a really crappy team, but they've got a really good quarterback this year, and they have a new coach who's been really good a uh, coach that has some NFL experience and stuff. And then Iowa state, you know, beyond the road, they, they don't have a great offense. They have a great coach as well, Matt Campbell. And uh, I just don't think i I'm not, give me, give me the home dog, you know, at home. I like, I bet a lot of home dogs last weekend in college did pretty good. The, the thing that surprises like Michigan, like folded, you know, the Wolverines just did not play well against Maryland. I thought, I thought they put the hurt on Maryland, but mm-hmm. uh, Maryland hung, hung with them. You know, it, You have to get when you get those big uh big spreads you know Mm -hmm. like i mean alabama didn't cover uh uh, ohio state didn't cover versus notre dame all the money was on the favorite you know and i i learned from my lesson i played all the money was on the bills i played the dolphins plus four and a half they won outright you know i had a free i had a free uh ten dollar bet from DraftKings, and i was like i'm just gonna pick like four dogs home dogs that have a chance of winning or I love dogs that. dogs that have a chance at win. I picked uh, the dolphins, the packers, mm-hmm. uh, the panthers, and the jaguars. <laughs> Fucking Ten dollars paid 200 bucks, man. Nice. I was, like, I was like, I was telling uh, uh, whoever you know, like people that asked me for, I was like, that's what you do with the with a ten dollar free bet, mm-hmm. just pick, pick three, two, three, four dogs, and you'll see like a ten dollar bet could be 200 bucks. So, mm-hmm. like, you know. That uh boosted my bankroll a little bit with just nice. you know, 10 on a bet, but other than that I mean, I was, I've, I've been having kind of up and down you know I, I'm getting I like the college football slate coming up. I need to look at it a bit more. I've got my notes, which I think are in my briefcase but uh you know we gave out some free plays over the weekend with uh Sean uh gave out Minnesota uh, gophers. That was a winner and uh I forget what Sean gave out too. Uh, but both, I think both both of our free plays uh, won.
2: Excellent. I got to tell you um, that one of the teams I feel is going to be a good bet. Uh, you know, you gotta you, you gotta of course see what the line is and all that stuff. But the Dolphins, to me, I think are real. I, I really oh, yeah. fucking think. On Thursday night they they are going to Cincinnati to play the yeah, Bengals. Cool. I don't know what the line is on on, on that, but. I, I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Bengals. The following week, they're going to demolish the Jets. Both of those are road games for them. Then they go home and play the Vikings and the Steelers. Um, I, I see them winning both of those games outright. They've got the, the Lions before they played the Bears in no- on November 6th. I mean, I, I see them... Having an outstanding season, I'm I'm just in awe of how well they're playing. And I've listened to the, the sports talk shows today, and everybody's that's praising the Dolphins. The so-called experts are saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, pump the brakes here. This team really still hasn't done anything. And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I mean, they look fucking phenomenal." So, yeah. uh, what do you think about the Dolphins?
3: I think they got a great chance to uh, get to the AFC Championship. I will right? tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. the speed is is what's killing defenses on speed on offense. Exactly. You know, you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and those guys can just open it up. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua has played okay. You know, he had one game, freaking unbelievable. Yep. Uh, the game before they played the Bills, where he had like six touchdowns, right? Four hundred ninety yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was like one of the greatest passing performances in NFL history. <laughs> but uh but then uh, last last week i had a i had a bet i thought was a for sure winner it was like two uh, two uh, over one and a half touchdowns and he mm-hmm. got a, he got a concussion and left the game for a while so we only he got stuck on one touchdown that bet didn't cash i thought that was easy money yeah but, uh, that one that didn't cash.
2: controversial thing too i mean he said i yeah I have a back injury i you know i didn't really have a concussion And some people say that sometimes, you know, because your spine goes up to your brain, that you can get, you can hurt your back and it still be a concussion. But he was cleared and was allowed to return back to the game. Now the NFLPA has uh, has asked the NFL, we need to kind of look at this because we're not totally convinced he should have been allowed to play. So we'll be keeping an eye on on Tua because hasn't he been hurt every one of his pro seasons? And of course, we know how his college career ended up. But so he's he's somewhat of a brittle guy, isn't
3: he? Yeah, he's had some injury history for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you got the Bills are still a phenomenal team. You know,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: great Gabriel will tell you.
2: Oh right? yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> him, but
3: yeah, I mean Josh Allen will make play. Imagine the Dolphins with Josh Allen at quarterback.
2: Oh my <laughs> yes. god, that would be all <laughs> scary stuff. But, uh, yeah, and the
3: Eagles look really good, too. I mean, they've got a good defense. they got a good off, offensive line is great on the Eagles. Yep. Their defense is good enough to win. And uh, uh, Jalen Hurts has been making some plays. He's got weapons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles, you know, make another return to the Super Bowl. You know, who's the comp- – NFC is weak. It is. Uh, there aren't that many good teams in the NFC, man. I, it is. That's you got. I, I mean, if you had to rank them, you got to put the Eagles first in the NFC.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
3: after that, it's kind of a toss up. You got the Buccaneers. Are, I mean, the reason I, someone would give me hell for betting the Packers, Tom Brady had nobody to throw to in that game.
6: Mm-hmm. They
3: only scored 12 points. You know,
6: mm-hmm.
3: I thought for sure the Packers would scare, score more, outscore them. You know, yeah. it was close at the end. I got lucky on the bet. I was but, watching
2: uh, that game. At, at, it was 14 to nothing, and then I had to go do something. And then I tune in. It's late in the game, and it's 14-12. to 12. I'm like, well, what the hell happened here?
3: Yeah. Brady, <laughs> we're trying to make a comeback. Uh, the Jaguars, man, I think they're a dark horse to win the NFC NA- South. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that right now. Yeah, they've got uh, uh, a new coaching staff that's, uh you know, knows how to win. But,
6: mm-hmm.
3: uh, I mean, you look at the Colts, yeah. You know the Colts have had a rough start with uh, injuries and Matt Ryan, and, uh, and then you've got uh, the Titans. Then they they still don't really have a good quarterback.
6: Mm-hmm. They're
3: okay, you know. And then I, I uh, what's the other? I'm drawing a blank on the other
2: team.
3: Well, the Texans with love We just saw him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, they're forgettable. <laughs> they're so forgettable. forgettable
3: <laughs> Davis Mills. <laughs> the, the the running back is good. You know, and, uh, they had one. They had one tight end. that was. I swear that dude was like a he was bigger than everyone else on the field. It's like Farrell Brown or somebody. Who the hell is this yeah. guy? It's yeah. Like he's like six, he eight, man. 300. It's like bowling down the field. I was like, right. man, whoever's got to tackle him. I, I expected Eddie Jackson to get out of the way of that dude.
2: Yeah, well, that would have been a good uh, business decision. <laughs> like I yeah, right. I mean,
3: I think the Jaguars could easily win that division, man.
2: Yeah, I'll catch you from behind.
3: <laughs> you know, they got Jaguars have some talent, man. They got good. They have good offense. They'll put yeah. some points on you.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, the, it's time that franchise gets turned around, it looks like they're finally getting
3: there i I don't know i mean who who could challenge the eagles i mean maybe the rams i don't know i mean the rams aren't as good as last year they don't have a defense the same as last year the pass rush uh the 49ers have a great defense but they have like zero offense you know (laughs) and then uh you know the cardinals eh. you know the you got the packers he doesn't have a lot of weapons either you know but then the vikings they've got some weapons they don't have a good defense though I agree. You know, there's there's really aren't a lot of good teams uh in the uh in the NFC. The the Eagles I, I think will probably be there in the NFC championship.
2: Yep. And by the way, I, I I love to brag about my luck in picking quarterbacks, so I'm gonna extend it here by saying I wanted Jalen Hurts yeah, for Chicago. Could have had him
3: too, right? yep, he, he was, was picking ten ten after ten players after Cole Kometz. Right.
2: I mean I and I I was down at the senior bowl when he was down there. He had a really bad week because of uh, some extending earning circumstances. He arrived late because of some family issues and so forth. And that really kind of clouded his draft value. Yeah. Plus his, his collegiate career was, was what it was. Uh, but I just saw a lot of potential in that guy and, and, and lots of great leadership, leadership traits. So, um, and, I, I, and I'm a believer that you need every couple of years, not every year, but every couple of years, you should invest a second or third rounder in a quarterback. Yeah. Not force it, not just say, okay, I'm going to pick a quarterback for the sake of picking a quarterback. But the guys like Dak Prescott, it was a fourth round pick. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, a second round pick. Those are guys that should be looked at. Yep. I remember Simeon was a guy, you know, when he came out of.
3: Seventh round pick, I think, at right. right Northwestern. I-
2: I exactly I said this is a guy that should be at at the very least you know a seventh round pick pick pickup and if you know if he would have fallen to uh, an undrafted free agent he should have gone after him when was the last time we had a quarterback in here that you could say hey this is a definitely a developmental guy that could be you know that could might have a future I I don't remember
3: how does Paul Clark end up in the past every week Aldo
6: <laughs>
3: Paul is he, he's listening to us at half speed i think you know that little button that's that's right a little button that'll slow down the audio
2: <laughs> I love the bears this right. week that's
3: we need to do fun. the drunk uh remember oh, you guys remember. did the drunk uh with that's the right. Trey busy
2: <laughs> that's right <laughs> I gotta do that. I would love to hear Dan Aguirre sound like he's yeah, drunk. that'd be awesome. I gotta do that. Make, make a note. <laughs> do the drunk anyway.
3: voices next next time. Is it just you and me next week?
2: Just me and you, but I got wow. uh, a got call. Guest up I got a couple of guests lined can up. We get
3: uh love to, uh, John John Buffone. <laughs> I've never been on a show with him and I love his stuff, man. It just, uh, I'm a huge nights, fan of John
2: Buffone. <laughs> Tuesday nights he's it's got Miss on that night. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see if we can hook you guys up um uh, some other night uh, yeah. well, or, or or a weekend. So We'll work yeah. on that. All right, brother. Why don't you uh, plug away and we'll uh, pull yeah. the plug we had,
3: we had more people in the chat room last weekend, Sean and I. And uh, Sean and Anthony will be there this weekend. Excellent. Talking, uh college football and, and Saturday morning. College mm-hmm. football and NFL. We usually talk about Love it. six to eight games, you know. And uh, uh, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm like, I, I've had to look at baseball and I'm just like, uh I know. Can't wait for college basketball to start. Stuff, you know, It's just baseball would just kind of end. I had, I, you know, my free pick. I should. have, I wanted to give out Yankees team total that one. I gave out Phillies team total against the Cubs because Stroman at home has a six over six ERA, and the Cubs bullpen has just been terrible this year. Mm-hmm. But they had, Stroman came in and threw lights out. He loved it. one hit complete game. You know, one one run complete game. It's like fuck. <laughs> but uh you know it real okay. i, think I was broke even tonight but
2: I, I i actually uh picked the twins to beat the white Sox tonight nice. uh so yeah i got a winner there yeah
3: stayed away from that game i had uh lost the Mets, won the uh the angels first no runs first inning angels a's
6: mm-hmm.
3: and then uh lost the phillies team total won the yankees team total and uh, gave a Logan Webb over four and a half strikeouts in that
7: one-hmm
3: so but I mean there wasn't a lot of good games today you know then I told my clients to pick up Kansas plus three and a half at home against mm-hmm. Iowa State I think that' would be a good bet uh, before that that line's only gonna go down I think as you get closer yeah. to game time I think it'll probably be like even Kansas minus one or even we'll see though
2: so when uh what time are you guys on this weekend? uh
3: we are tips. we've been starting at 10 central but i think uh anthony he wants to go a little or because he's on east coast time so we'll either be nine or 10 central on saturday right. morning
2: well let uh let us know and that way we can promote uh effectively on saturday morning it will be the weekend sports betting tips with the tooch with anthony and yeah, uh, special guests. Sean Higgs. That should be a entertaining and uh, informative show for anyone looking to lay a bet or just be entertained here at the Barroom Network. Johnny Santucci is one of the best young handicappers in the business. He's only been doing it for a short while, but yeah. he puts about the a that.
3: year, a little over a year.
2: Yeah, I will. Uh, I will uh, end with this. Panic or don't fucking panic. That's right. When when you are betting on a Johnny Santucci uh, a tip, don't fucking bet. don't panic.
3: Yep, I went to college basketball. That's where I do my best work. Really, is yeah. basketball. But
2: oh my god! College gosh. basketball, college football. You were red hot last season with with uh, college basketball. Yeah. Outstanding. All right, my brother. Uh, we will see you uh, soon. I'll, I'll try to stop by on Saturday morning when you guys are All right. high in the chat room. Nice. Uh, so, I will uh, do that. And I, I I owe you a new video open for that. So, right. I'll, I'll send you that.
3: that. I'll email you the, the music.
2: Great. And right. uh, I'll let people know that tomorrow on Wednesday, it is at 2 p.m. Bardon Hockey Talk. That's right. They're playing hockey now. The Blackhawks right. had an exhibition game today. And so, there's lots of great hockey talk to be had here at the barroom. And it all starts at 2 p.m. Central with Vinnie Parisi and Frank Mueller. Um, And uh, then at 7 p.m., it it will be the Buffon 55 show. We're going to get really intense uh, New York Giants talk uh, from, oh, what's his name? Joe Foley, who covers the New York Giants. Uh, And so we've got the lowdown on that. Alyssa Barbieri will not be available, so I'll be filling in for her, and uh, John and I will get into a couple of debates, I am sure. That's our lineup for Wednesday, and then we've got tons of stuff on Thursday. we got Kenneth Davis from the Under the Center podcast on our The Bear Debate Show, and he'll be going up against Ross Reed, so that will be fun. And I think one of the season's f- uh, finales of, sh- of Crosstown Crosstalk, Crosstalk – on Thursday so lots of stuff happening here at the barroom best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe to our channel here on YouTube uh, barroom network or subscribe to our audio podcast um, just uh, type in barroom network you will uh, be uh, you will get links to us on uh, Google Play uh, Spotify Uh, Apple, you name it, and also our Facebook page. If you're a Facebook kind of person, you can find all our programming there as well. So for John Santucci, for Dan Aguirre, my name is Aldo Gandia. We'll see you next time.
4: Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nongfe. Bear down.